Hey everyone, welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast that discusses video game news, stories, and all the biggest topics in the video game industry. My name is Luke and I am your host as always. Uh, this is a bit of a special episode this week. We have a couple guests joining us. Uh, so first returning to the show is Stephen Beagle. Stephen, how's it going? Thanks for coming on the show. It's going really well. Thanks for uh, letting me come back. I guess I wasn't too terrible the first time. <laughs> yeah, I, Stephen uh, joined Adam last month. I took some time off for Canadian Thanksgiving. We have it a month earlier than you guys. And uh, that was awesome. That was really cool having you on the show and being able to listen to my own podcast. It was kind of weird, like seeing, like I obviously upload the the show, but then I like downloaded it and I listened to it on my way to work. It was kind of, it was cool. You guys had a great dis- discussion. So I knew I wanted to have you back uh, for when I was on the show. So again, yeah, thanks for, for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And joining us for the first time is Garrett Neely. Some of you guys might remember him from Apex Champions, a podcast that I was on with him earlier in the, the year. Garrett is also a fellow Kind of Funny best friend. Of course, we talk about Kind of Funny all the time here. So, Garrett, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It's great to have you on here. Yeah, absolutely, Luke. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk some games with you guys. Yeah, it should be a really good episode. Uh, last but certainly not least is my co-host, Adam Beagle. Adam, how's it going today? I'm awesome. Looking forward to all the uh, discussion with everybody. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really really fun. Uh, today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Game Awards 2019 nominees, as well as impressions for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, but before we get to all that, just a quick reminder that the podcast airs every Tuesday, except for this week. We had to take a couple more days to, to prepare just because of scheduling. Um, but it airs normally every Tuesday. It's available on all the major podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast service you use, and we should show up on there. If you enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you listen to it on. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, maybe leave a review for the show. That always goes a long way. Now, before we get into... Oh, one one more reminder, I forgot. Uh, next week, me and Adam are going to be recording a spoiler cast for Death Stranding. Um, talked about it on the show before. We gave our impressions of the game last week, but we're actually devoting a whole episode to talk about Death Stranding and some of the story points, talk about... Uh, the ending of the game because there's some there's some big things in there that could easily be spoiled um, even for people that maybe have just watched the trailer so those who have played the game you're not going to want to miss that episode to hear all our impressions about that um, we have a, a date set for for when we're going to record it um, but I'm not entirely sure if just because this episode's on Friday that means next Tuesday we might just skip the episode and then you'll have to wait for that Death Stranding review episode I wanted to kind of get two in the week but I don't think there's enough time for the weekend to kind of get in there and stuff so um yeah you'll you'll still get an episode next week but it might just be that Death Stranding spoiler cast so stay tuned for that now before we get into everything uh Steven Garrett you guys are this is the first time I've been able to talk to you on the podcast so I I always kind of give my guests some questions I didn't prep you guys at all for this but they're they're pretty straightforward questions um so obviously the biggest one is where where did you guys kind of get into video games? Steven, I know Adam kind of asked you these questions on the show, um, but just for my sake, uh, let's, let's start with you. When when did your love for video games get going? Uh, and 
have you always been a gamer? What kind of consoles did you own growing up? That kind of stuff. So yeah, we'll, we'll throw it to you. Yeah, so I'm a, a child of the 80s. So the first console I ever got my hands on was the, the NES, the original Nintendo. And uh, that was it. Like as soon as the controller hit my hands, I'd always played Mario or Duck Hunt or uh, Master Blaster, you know, any along anything along those. It kind of just struck me from there and I've been gaming ever since so nice uh what i say 30 34 of my 30 or, or uh, rather 30 uh 33 years of my 36 year long life on this planet i've been gaming nice uh so it has been it has definitely been something that i've been involved with a long time that's awesome do you have a favorite console like is the nes because it was is that your favorite console or, or do you have a new one you know, it's uh, and and I was kind of surprised at this, but I I'm sticking with the PS4 as my favorite yeah. console of all time. Uh, I think uh, for the uh, evolution of the genre of of the art form, uh, that one that one system I think uh, to me has has struck the industry the most mm-hmm. in uh, you know graphics and storylines and just all around game depth. I've, I really think that it's been a, a, a great piece in the long history of gaming. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's it's clear that it's like it's the best console this generation, but I think you're right. Like in the, for the longest time, like PlayStation 4 is just is is a great console um, in terms of just video games in their history, right? Like you think of all the freaking awesome games we've been able to play on the PS4, those experiences, like it's crazy. I, I regret that I, I went with the... Xbox One day one and I, I missed out almost two years before I could um, get my hands on the PS4 and it's so good like I've always been kind of an Xbox guy um, and I just I continue to always want to play my games on my PS4 rather than my Xbox for just because of the ecosystem it's created and everything so awesome uh, Garrett how about yourself uh, when when did you get into video games and uh, what, what is some of your favorite consoles yeah, so um, I'm also a child of the 80s, just barely, though. I was born in 88, um, and the the year that I was born, my dad got an NES for Christmas. So same story, you know, uh, probably two and a half, three years old, got that controller in my hand and started playing Mario, and uh, it's been off to the races since then. Nice. Um, you know, I actually, for some reason, we switched to becoming a Sega household the next generation. We got a Genesis. Yep. I don't know why. My dad just, <laughs> he probably bought into the marketing, let's be real. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, went from, from the NES to the Genesis to the 64, GameCube, original Xbox. And since then, I've pretty much owned everything. Yeah, so yeah. that's awesome. So yeah, it sounds like we've all pretty much been gamers. I'm, I'm younger than you guys. I'm a 90s baby, but um, so my knowledge in some of the older games, I kind of fall short a little bit, but um, I, uh, yeah, it sounds like we've all kind of been into video games since, since really we, we got them as a kid, which is really cool. Um, it's really just cool to find, I know like video games are pretty mainstream for the most part, but it's one of the cool things is like you find all these other people that are just as into something that you are is it's pretty neat right um absolutely yeah it's cool i mean like that's how i i found you guys it was kind of through kind of funny but it's it's just fun to kind of come on and and do that so that's why i'm excited for this episode for both of you to come on here and 
and share your thoughts on, on video games. So uh, great, that that's awesome. Um, let's uh, let's jump in because we've got a big if show. I may interject. Oh really sure, quickly. go ahead, Adam. Uh, we didn't get to hear uh, Garrett's favorite game ever. Right. What's your what's your favorite oh, game, Garrett? Favorite game ever, man. I I. St- uh, this is the the typical answer, but I gotta go with Ocarina of Time. Yes, uh, just solid. The, <laughs> the 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 wonder and like the exploration and just like not knowing what was gonna be around every corner uh, as a kid. Uh, you know, late elementary school when that came out, that was just it blew my mind. And so, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I'll ever have an experience like that again with a video game. I'm still hoping, but yeah, we'll see. It it is it, it, it was a magical game. Like I. That's my favorite video game of all time. It kind of went through phases for with me of like, I was kind of young when I first got it. It was like our first console was the Nintendo 64. And I that was the first game we got. I had an older sister who was four years older than me. And she was much better at the game than I was. <laughs> so I did a lot of watching. But any younger sibling can kind of relate to that, I guess. But um, yeah, and just being able to like, even going back, like, I, I played that game, I think the last time I played it on the Nintendo 64 was, like, a year ago, and sure, technically, putting it on my 4K TV, like, it doesn't look great, but, I mean, <laughs> it's it's phenomenal on the things that that video game did back then, and how we're still getting influences of it today, you know what I mean? It's pretty exceptional, oh, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Um, great. Well, let's move into today's episode i so i put on the show notes here i i shouldn't say exactly what i put on the show notes because we have some younger <laughs> listeners here but before i get to talking about the game awards and star wars and pokemon and everything as you guys know stadia had their launch this past week november 19th was the launch of google stadia of course announced earlier this year adam and i have been talking about stadia on a pretty consistent basis throughout the year i would say every updates we've been kind of keeping up on them uh we talked not last week or was it last week or the week before we were talking I think about it was the, last week yeah we were talking about the, the lineup. lineup yeah which actually ended up changing the edit um increased it to 22 games and i was talking well i i pre-ordered it um hopefully i have some opinions by next week's episode but uh, a little update for you guys. So the guys are aware of all of this, but I wanted to share We're you. getting your exclusive yeah. hands-on impressions, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> what happened was I, so I don't know when pre-orders opened for Stadia. I think it, I don't think it was right when it got announced. If I, I can't quite remember. I think it was like maybe a month after. Something like Something that. Something like that. It was, it was within that kind of ballpark there. I was kind of like on the fence about it. I like this idea of streaming. Um, the kind of funny guys, of course, talked about it a lot. Um, they, I heard people's opinions in the gaming industry about uh, Project Stream and the beta that they launched for that, working really good with Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Uh, the announcement was good. It, it sounded like a great thing. And I eventually in June decided to pre-order it. So I think June 12th or 13th or something like that was my pre-order date. Um, going on the subreddits, that also was a lot of when pre-orders happened. I think looking at a lot of people was with June and July, uh, some in May, but that was, I think the bulk of Stadia's pre-order. So it must've been just before that, that I think pre-orders opened or whatever. So I pre-ordered it. And as we got closer, it's like, okay, launch was announced at the, like the beginning of November, end of October or something like that. And we were, 
I was kind of like, okay, great. We have a date. We know, we knew it was in November. Now it's 19th. Um, hopefully it makes it here and then, right? Because the Founders Edition, of course, comes with the Chromecast Ultra and it comes with the Stadia controller, three month subscription uh, to Pro, the Stadia Pro. And then it also came with things like a, a buddy pass, being able to give it to a friend and they would get a Stadia Pro subscription as well. And then as we got closer to launch, we found out that there were, you know, things that were not going to be included at, with Stadia at launch. So things like the Buddy Pass weren't going to be available. Um, another example is if you had a Chromecast Ultra already, you would not be able to use Stadia on your Chromecast Ultra. You had to have the one that was bundled in with the Founders Edition. I don't know why. I, I guess, like, they had to roll out an update, and so they wanted to delay that until after launch. Um, of course, you could only play it on Pixel devices, and then I think Chrome browsers was the, the kind of thing. Um, so we're gearing up. It's November 19th, and the embargo lifted, I think, on the 18th, where people in the industry were able to talk about it, and they were bringing up a lot of points of it not performing to expectations. Um, they made promises of 4K you know, resolution, 60 frames per second with at least a 35 megabits per second uh, internet speed. And that it wasn't even meeting that threshold. It was, there were people doing tests with it with really fast internet speed, you know, like things like 150 megabits per second download speeds. And still there there's games that, you know, I think Digital Foundry did a thing where they actually brought out and measured the resolutions and things like that and it was just I think there was 1440 like there it, it wasn't 4k it wasn't it wasn't what they had promised so I guess that's kind of as expected um I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about any of that before I get into my personal experience I had this last couple of days um but do you guys have any thoughts about are you surprised at all that performance wise it didn't necessarily meet expectations on that front uh adam let's start with you do you have any thoughts um I, i'm not surprised i mean i think with any any new launch of of something big there's going to be bugs that go along with it or uh kinks that need to be ironed out that sort of stuff but i i feel like that's shouldn't have really been the case because it's not like they were saying i, I mean in a way it's you know we know it's early access because mm -hmm. only there's a pre-order can get it but they didn't exclusively like come out and say like this is a beta this is a big work in progress like preview program at least i don't think thing. so this was just basically here you guys that are pre-ordering get the service before anyone else and you know if that's the case i expect it to work as intended with all the features and things like that that they promised when they showed it off back in what april or whatever it was that mm -hmm. they they fully unveiled everything so um, I think them not delivering on a, on a lot of stuff that this service was supposed to be and have is just, uh, I think, a, a huge black eye for, for what they're going for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, like I said to you, like leading up to launch, you know, we kind of had that sense that it wasn't going to be smooth just because of all these updates coming in. And then, you know, there was already suspicions people had when it was first announced and they were making these big promises, they brought in, you know, the fact that not everybody has these connection speeds across the country and everything like that. And, you know, even when at E3, when they had their demo, you're kind of in a closed environment and everything. So there's people talking about it, it being, it, it works and it's, it's good. But again, they're kind of controlling, 
every everything that's going around with with it um, at a place like E3. So yeah, I'm I I was disappointed. The bi the biggest thing that I guess we'll we'll do this to get to move along is what I'm so upset about is so November nineteenth rolled around. And I knew for a fact that I would not be waking up to, you know, a knock on my door saying, here's a delivery. I knew that I wouldn't be getting it because there was no information from Google. I got no confirmation that my order was being sent. It just said that I had ordered. It wasn't even like we're processing your order to, to send out for shipping. It just, it said the same thing on the Google store page as it did when I pre-ordered it back in June. So that was like, man, we're on launch day and I'm seeing that. That sucks a lot, right? And there were reports that, so the, what was supposed to happen is it was like, in November, we're going to email you your code. And then obviously you can get into Stadia because it's available on other devices, like I said, Pixel and everything like that. And then you should be able to, to play it on your Chromecast Ultra. And so some people were getting codes, but they weren't, they didn't receive their physical unit. And then some people, I would say a majority of the people um, either received their founder's edition or they hadn't received it and they were waiting on a code. There was people on the subreddit basically sitting in their, their house or whatever with the Stadia controller and everything, but no code to actually play the games and use the service on wow. launch day so pretty awesome. pretty pretty bad and um yeah there was people that had pre-ordered basically stadia stated that with the rollout of launch was going to be hey we're going to do it in the order that people pre-ordered so if you pre were one of the first pre-orders you should be the first to receive your stadia founders edition and you'll be the first to receive a code but people who were pre-ordered had pre-ordered in september even october on the subreddit had received their stadia and actually had received their codes as well so it's almost again they still kind of pre-order but like can you imagine going into a gamestop ordering a playstation 4 right pre-orient months ago getting in and someone walking in who had it pre-ordered buying a PS4 and then you being like kind of refused. Oh, sorry, we don't have a PS4 for you here. And they sold it to someone who came in off the street. Like it's not exactly like that, but I mean, you, you have people who pre-ordered months in advance and they're not even getting this product on the day that it's coming out, right? So not great. I was really, really pissed to say the <laughs> least. Um, Cause even the performance issues aside, I'm like, okay, well, if I can get it on the day and try it out, maybe I'll have that experience. But I couldn't even do that. Um, as of right now, I did get a notification that it's been shipped out. And then yesterday at around 5.30 p.m. Uh, mountain time, I got my code sent to me. So uh, I don't know. It was roughly like 36 hours from when they started sending out codes, I believe, uh, when I received my code. And... Yeah, so it, it's not good. I tried to cancel uh, a couple, like, the day before launch, um, which, again, that's on me for leaving it that long. But, again, the embargo lifted that day. Um, and then when all the pre-order issues were happening, I'm like, this is just not worth it. I want to cancel it. Couldn't cancel it. I was basically got a hold of Google support, and they told me that uh, it's already kind of being processed at the the warehouse to be sent out for shipping. And it, uh, yeah, it was too late. So I basically have to refuse delivery and they will send it back to Google and then I should receive my refund. So it's supposed to arrive next, like this upcoming Monday, which is almost a week after launch. 
and then obviously it's going to probably take another week for it to get back to the warehouse and then my refund will be you know three to five business days after that or something like that so yeah not good uh not good at all especially when you're making these promises that people can jump in get get claim their username that kind of stuff and it's like man they just they butchered this launch completely um and it really sucks big time i'm really really upset about it i still think there is a future in streaming video games but Google's going to have to do a lot to recover from, uh, yeah, from this launch. So I don't know if you guys wanted to, to add any thoughts in there about just from, because none of you guys pre-order, correct? So what maybe from an outsider's perspective, what, what do you guys think of all this? So Luke, <clears throat> I, I mentioned to you my stint with internet TV back whenever Google did their Google TV. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they were, they were kind of the uh, establishing presence for basically what we have now whenever it comes to streaming the problem was is that the the tech that they had was was trash at the time like there was no it was barely usable um and it almost seems like we're in that same type of environment with stadia mm -hmm. and we you know we all had a lot of hope for it but i i was kind of sitting back and waiting on this because i i had that history with them mm -hmm. and it's almost not surprising that this went down it sucks big time like whenever you were saying that you haven't even gotten the gear yet like adam <laughs> can contest my jaw just hit the ground right yeah. now like, it's <laughs> like oh my gosh but like <clears throat> i think i think you're absolutely right that streaming uh you know streaming games is definitely where we're headed and i think that if if they can overcome this launch that google will be that device to do it mm -hmm. um uh, uh you know even with some of the competition you guys have mentioned x x cloud in the past uh over the past 24 48 hours yeah. or so uh playstation now uh has seen some developments in its service and then of course uh uh game pass game pass for yeah. xbox yeah you know so like that's all there mm -hmm. and um i think we're just going to see it getting better um but yeah, that's uh, outside of the technical issues, which I think is something that's going to be coming along with this for a little bit. Mm -hmm. The this, the service issue is huge. Yeah, uh, you know, and your your comparison of pre-ordering your PlayStation, going into the store, and somebody off the street gets theirs, but you don't get you don't get your pre-ordered one. Yeah, I I, I think it's almost a direct a direct kind of relationship yeah. in this whole yeah. thing because for somebody in September to get theirs, yeah. Uh, who ordered in September and you not getting yours and and you've had it ordered since June, mm -hmm. you know, that's a, that's a big miss. That is a really big miss. Yeah. Uh, you know, my thoughts on the whole thing are, are a couple things here. So first, I mean, it's obvious that they've launched this way too early. Um, the, the tech's not ready. They don't have all the features implemented. They can't even send things out from their warehouse in order. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just the whole thing seems to be half baked at this point. And I think, they're really kind of targeting the wrong people with this product because targeting people like us that already have consoles and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, this is in my eyes, a great solution for somebody that doesn't own a console or a gaming PC that wants to get in and, and play something, but doesn't want to have to invest, you know, three, four, $500 into something. Right. Um, but it seems like all the, the, you know, announcements and marketing and stuff that I've seen have been targeting gamers. And it's mm -hmm. like, it just seems like there's a real disconnect between Google and who they're actually marketing to and 
obviously having a half-baked product doesn't help the situation at all either. So, I mean, it just seems like a, an all-around bad situation in my opinion. Yeah, like it, it's interesting because I, I think that the because they're supposed to launch this free version of it next year, right, where the service can be used. It doesn't have all the same benefits, I guess. Uh, if you have pro, like you don't get to play the pro subscription games like Destiny 2 and Samurai Showdown. And uh, I, I could see, yeah, that being, you know, the market for those people who don't have those consoles, who it's like, I have a Chromecast, I have Google devices. I can, I really want to play this new AAA video game. I don't want to have to go out and buy those things. And this Founders Edition was supposed to be for the people that want a little bit of, of more experience, right? Have that sus- subscription, have more benefits to it, like the Buddy Pass and all that. So when they're they're taking all these things out that was supposed to be, you know, incentive for people to pre-order this product, um, it's just like, well, what's the point, right? Like, it, it makes no sense. I even have considered... Uh, at this point of like, well, I'm still getting it in. Should I send it back? Like, should I at least maybe try it out? But it's just, they, they've, they've ultimately lost my trust because they just, they're, they don't seem to, and their communication was terrible. Like people were posting on the subreddit, trying to find answers on things. Uh, people, you know, emailing, put on hold with Google. And I get, there's a lot of angry people all trying to do that at once. And it can maybe be a lot for them to manage. And they want to make sure that they get their messaging out, right? If there was some sort of mix up, but I mean, you, you, a big company like Google, you need to be on the ball for those kinds of things. Every launch, even if you have everything, your I's dotted and your T's crossed and you're ready to go, there's going to be problems because you have all these people, you know, coming into this service for the very first time. Right. So it's, yeah, I'm I'm not too surprised. I'm a little bummed out because I am one of those people that I don't generally pre-order things because of that reason of like, I never know. And I this was one of the, I didn't even pre-order my Xbox One. I decided on day one when they came on, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll buy an Xbox. And I had to wait a couple more weeks because I didn't pre-order it. But um, yeah, I, uh, this, I decided to take a chance and I got burned. So it's almost like, I don't, I don't know if I can come back to that. So at any rate, I just wanted to share this story because it was really frustrating, obviously. And yeah, this isn't just my experience with it. Like I said, I've been I've been on the subreddit. That's it, because you feel so alone in moments like this, where you're like, <laughs> "Man, I don't have my my thing." Um, are there other people in the same spirit? And then you find out, I would say like three quarters of them are in the same boat as you. You're like, "Man, that's they they really messed up." So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys for, I know that's probably a lot of talking, but uh, thank you guys for letting me have that vent session right there. I needed it. Hopefully very, you feel better. Yeah. Very, very therapeutic. Good. <laughs> so let's move into the topics of the show. The first one being the Game Awards 2019 nominees. So they were announced um, on the 19th Tuesday and uh, they're going to be taking place on Thursday, December 12th. So we're you know, two or three weeks away from that. So I decided let's let's run through these nominees and then we can kind of all share our opinions on them. Uh, there's lots of, I think there's more controversy around this year's awards just because of Star Wars and a couple other things that we'll talk about. But so let's, let's start off with the big one, obviously, game of the year. Uh, so recognizing a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fee- fields. Uh, so we have Control, we have Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and The Outer Worlds. So, 
because that's the big category. Let's let's kind of share our thoughts on that. Garrett, why don't I throw it to you first? What do you think of these noms? Is there any omissions? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I don't really have a problem with any of the games that did get nominated. Um, but, you know, I will go ahead and get into it. I, I, I think Jedi Fallen Order should be on this list. I understand Rich. all the issues with the timing and getting out review code early and blah, 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 blah. To me, this is a Game Awards problem. This is not an EA problem. Um, in my opinion, the Game Awards should be late December, early January, some, some, somewhere in that range so that we can get through all of the major releases of the year before people put their nominations in and before people get to vote on the nominations. Um, you know, I, I didn't have a chance to play Control. I know a lot of people enjoyed it. Uh, same with Resident Evil 2. I haven't gotten a chance to play that yet. Um, but the other games on this list, I mean, they're all great games. I have no problem with any of them, and I think any of them would be deserving. Um, but it, it really, really stings to not to not see Jedi up there because as of this point, that is my game of the year. Adam, Stephen, how about you guys? Um, personally, I would I would really like to see Smash win this. Uh, uh, Smash Bros. Ultimate. It, it's been a lot of fun in our household playing that game, but I think with that technical standpoint and the kind of game that it is and how it stands out among the rest of them, I think Death Stranding is probably going to take it. Um, I, I, me personally, <clears throat> um, it, it, it's not the game for me. Mm-hmm. I've done a lot of trying to get into it. I know th- uh, the beginning part of the story as I was watching streamers play, it was it was kind of drawing me there, but then as I saw kind of more of what the gameplay was, even being a No Man's Sky and how that gameplay is, there's mm-hmm. there's some relationship there, not a, not a whole lot, but it didn't it didn't strike me as something that I that I would really get into and stick with and beat, but it definitely stands out as kind of the uh, the new body in this mix here, you yeah. know, um, and that's why I think that it should that it's probably going to get it, but I think like Garrett. Um, I wouldn't be angry if any one of these games would get it because a lot of them have had really positive reviews behind them. Mm -hmm. Um, People have had a lot of fun playing them. Um, But on on my personal note, like I said, Super Smash Brothers, I would love to see it take Game of the Year for sure. And Garrett, you know, uh, I don't think Jedi's counted out just yet. I I would not be surprised if we would see it in the 2020 game awards at all just because right. of how smash was uh released december 2018 it didn't have mm-hmm. a chance to get into the 2018 uh awards but here it is now sitting in the game of the award uh, game of the year category so uh, um i think that a little bit more patience you're going to see your baby up on that game man of the year block. I, I sure hope so and i and i hope that we don't lose sight of how great of a game it is by the time next year comes around if it is eligible to be to be one of the nominees so i guess i should mention that out of these games i think my pick um, i'm not too far into death stranding yet i I think that will probably be my pick but if i had to vote right now i would be voting outer worlds yeah both both solid games for sure adam i know you had thoughts about the whole (laughs) <laughs> Jedi Fallen Order saw a tweet from you. What do you think of all that? Yeah, so I, I just finished uh, Fallen Order today, and after completing the the final sort of uh, chapters, if you will, of the game, the final story beats, uh, this game absolutely needs to be in discussion for Game of the Year because uh, they just respawn, just they hit a home run. I mean, it is a fantastic Star Wars story, and to not see it in the list of the rest of these nominations um, 
it kind of hurts. I feel personally attacked. <laughs> uh, and and I agree with Gary. This is this is a game awards issue. Um, there's there's no reason that that the cutoff should be in early to mid November um, when there's a history of big blockbuster titles being released throughout the month of November. So um, I, I think that should probably be changed. Maybe the cutoff should be the end of November, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and then they can have the show you know mid to to late December, early January, something like that. Um, so I, I do think it's. With the game as good as it was, I would not be surprised to see it in the 2020 Game Awards show. Um, but I think this year it, it would have almost been a shoe-in for the win um, because of how good that it is. And, and next year it's going to have so much tougher competition. Next year is going to be such a huge year. But um, under the current format that they're running, it is sort of EA's fault just because they didn't get review copies out sooner. Um, I know they didn't want to have spoilers getting out there, Mm -hmm. but as I played through, there really wasn't anything huge spoiler-wise that um, they should have been afraid of. I think they could have gotten review copies out there for people before the deadline and and made it happen under the current system, but I think the, the Game Award system should probably change, and maybe this controversy will be enough for them to kind of take a look at things next year and maybe plan plan out a little bit better for their cutoff times. Um, for me, out of this this list, I think Death Stranding would probably take it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, having played it, really enjoyed it. Um, the, the, the later story elements didn't really click as well with me as the early story did, but the uh, the gameplay was was king in this game, mm-hmm. and, and I really enjoyed it. And, and the story was good enough to keep me entertained and and engaged and wanting to know more. So, um, but last point on this category is WTF. Where is fire emblem? Um, right, that yeah. totally should have been in, in the discussion here as well, because that game was, was amazing too. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my thoughts. Yeah. Speaking quickly to your point of fire emblem, that, that is, a um, a dialogue that I've seen on Twitter and stuff of people who played that game, loved it. You know, it got really great, review scores i think it brought some people into the franchise for the first time and yeah it was really well received so i too was a little surprised that that wasn't even a nominee for it um there's a big discussion i think around nintendo games and their presence in the game awards i know if we look Mm -hmm. a couple years back i mean zelda breath of the wild one we had uh, super mario odyssey nominees in there and stuff but you know this year's weird like nintendo had some good games with super mario maker and um you know astral train yeah and it they are only kind of present in one real category but (laughs) in fairness like it's it's always interesting because you have the developers and you have the publishers and you know some might not see it this has that important some some do you know it's just like fans right some people which kind of hinting to our question of the week this week like some people really don't care too much like it's it is a word um by this one there's other awards other ign does awards you know GameSpot does awards that kind of mm-hmm. stuff um so yeah it's 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 interesting i am you know just from what i play of star wars uh jedi fallen order i too i'm surprised that and just hearing people be just loving this game how how is it not on there and how did they yeah it sucks it with the whole embargo lift and and 
people not being able to play that in the cutoff and everything. So I, I honestly think that people were loud enough, both fans and people in the industry and in the in the media and everything were loud enough that they might look at changing it next year. Who knows? Maybe it doesn't do anything and we just continue this format, but there that's been the topic uh, surrounding this is, and that, that tells you the, how good the game is, is when there's all these nominees that are also great games, but people are like, well, what the heck this really good game is missing out on there. So for me, before we move on to other categories, yeah, I'm in the same boat. Uh, Death Stranding. I mean, RE2 remake was really great. I really enjoyed it. That was, it feels like so long ago. <laughs> it's just like, it's almost a year ago, right? That we were playing that game. I loved it. Um, thought it was an amazing game. It was my game of the year for the longest time until Death Stranding came along. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that'll be my personal choice. Maybe I'll go Jedi Fallen Order once I beat the game, but we'll see. So I, I do think Death Stranding is probably going to take it in this category. Um, all right, so let's go through a couple of these. Uh, we'll just kind of streamline them. You guys can interject if you have any opinions on these categories. So action game for the best game in the action genre focused primarily on combat. So we have Apex Legends, Astral Chain, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Devil May Cry 5, Gears 5, and Metro Exodus. Um, again, any thoughts on that? Any omissions? The one thing I was telling Adam tonight is... This category is filled with fours and fives. Mm -hmm. There's a, just a lot of the same, the same gig yeah. over and over again. You know, um, I think what I would really like to see, uh, you know, Metro Exodus and and um, Astral Train kind of being the the outliers there. I would love to see uh, something come around this upcoming year that shakes this category around a little bit, mm -hmm. so we don't have to keep looking at the exact same titles. Sure. And I could even argue here, too, that, um, you know, maybe this is a category that that uh, Monster Hunter should have showed up in rather than the uh, the, the role-playing section right. later on, because I feel like it is more action-y than it is role-playing. So I, I feel like um, maybe looking at genres, um, you know, maybe they need to take a look at what, what games should appear mm -hmm. in what, what category. Yeah, I, I even remember, I think it was just last year's awards, because Monster Hunter was put in that, I think it was put in that RPG category as well. Um, not like Iceborne, but the, yeah. the base game. And and it, I think it won too, didn't it? I think like over, so. If over I'm, some other really good options for RPG. Uh, over, was it? No. I was going to say Persona, but that's not right. No, uh, I think it like, uh, what's that game? The octopus one <laughs> the octo oh, traveler, octo yeah. traveler yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah right how could it whenever that octopath yeah. was so good well and like again people the same argument it people see it as more of an action game as opposed to rpg right so it's yeah the category thing i think is you know always interesting astral chain is very different than apex legends um i i'm not surprised that um apex legends is getting well i guess they did get other, uh, a couple other categories, but um, for me, like, I out of all these games, all of them are from an established franchise besides um, Apex and Astral Chain. Those are new IPs. The other are kind of from established things, like you were saying, Steven. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think the categories, as we'll go on, are... We could probably have a debate over them themselves. So, uh, moving on. Art Direction, Control, Death Stranding... Uh, 
uh, Sainara, Wild Hearts, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, and The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Do you guys have any... Which, which one do you guys think is going to take that, cat? I think, personally, it ought to go to Gree, just because it's it's entirely focused on art. Um, it's it's probably the most artsy of the, the games on here. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I like that one, just because of what it is i think it's it's exactly what this category is about and for me i i really like the look of uh link's awakening but i do agree that you know gree's got the uh it's really the the artsy game here on the mm-hmm. list and yeah. so if it seems like that was really their main focus with that game was the the art style so in my opinion yeah the art direction if that's the focus of your game that's yeah. that's probably got to be the winner yeah, I again, I think there's some obvious ones in this category, and then others. It's like Death Stranding again, art direction. I mean, it's a very artsy game and stuff. But it's a, another thing is like it says for outstanding creative and or technical achievement in artistic design and animation. Um, so like obviously from an artistic perspective, Gree is very different from Death Stranding, but they're both kind of they're they're artsy in their own way, right? So it's very like that's it's so subjective would, right so yeah i mean i would say death stranding looks great it's a beautiful game yes but from it's it's not breaking the mo the mold yeah uh, as far as like art direction is concerned mm-hmm. so right I, I and, would, and is is going for a realistic look even really an art direction sure you know yeah, what i mean like right. that you're just trying to look like real life you know yeah, right, I, don't, yeah. I don't know i don't have a problem with it i just think that if we're looking at art direction, I wouldn't be putting things on the list that are trying to emulate real life. That's yeah, just Yeah, I mean, me, if, but. if the category was best graphics, then then sure, uh, Death Stranding could be considered. But I, yeah, like you said, I don't know that imitating, you know, real life is necessarily an art direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be. Well, I guess we'll see. I have a feeling that Kojima, who knows how many awards he'll walk away with for death stranding but moving well, on to, if he asks yeah, twitter right. he's gonna run away with all <laughs> exactly. of them because there's so much collusion <laughs> yeah. going on in the right. oh my gosh it's the an money, absurd narrative it, too it, is, it really is <laughs> yeah i i saw your tweet got some traction there garrett from yeah. not only jeff Keeley liking it but then because he liked it i'm sure more people saw it and right i last i checked it almost had like 40 40 some likes and people were commenting wow. their thoughts and it's like Man. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know how. I mean, he must have been searching for game awards or his name or something because I didn't even tag him in it. But he was the first person to like it, and yeah. then yeah, after that, it kind of blew up a little bit. But yeah. Yeah, it's just silly internet troll stuff. I yeah. think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 the same thing. Like game awards aside, just Death Stranding and some of the you know talk online of people trolling of this game, you know, whatever. On the outside, I I don't don't blame them for looking like a walking sim, a FedEx simula- simulator or whatever, because right? it is what you are doing. I put 40 hours into it and you are doing that, but there's other stuff there. And I mean, it's a 40 hour game. There's a lot of other elements to it. And it's, it's funny how just people jump on those bandwagons whenever something's some sort of dialogue is trending on let's, let's jump on this. Jeff Keeley's in on it and he's friends with Kojima. So uh, it's totally bought out. It's like, no, who cares? Like, even if that was the case, it's like, do these awards really mean anything too much anyway? So, uh, sound design, we have, or audio design, recognizing the best in-game audio and sound design, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Control, Death Stranding, Gears 5, Resident Evil 2, and Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. 
again, just a bunch of kind of action, big games there. Um, yeah, I think we can move on from that. Uh, community support, recognizing game for outstanding community support, transparency, and responsiveness. So Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy XIV, uh, Fortnite, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Still get in some nominations, even in 2019. That's crazy. Um, for me, I mean, Fortnite, I know that we get tired of hearing it all the time, but I, I think Fortnite... It's crazy that they just, the whole season, uh, or sorry, chapter two thing that happened this year and how that, how viral that went and how it's still pushing the limits. Um, it's just crazy that it still does that. I think it's been harder for them with more competition with, you know, Apex Legends and some of those other games getting in on that. But it's, yeah, you can't deny that they're just a powerhouse that continues to, to grow. I'd have to go Final Fantasy XIV here. The uh, community for that game is just so impressive. Um, when you look at how large the player base is right. um, and and how many of them are actually just really great. Um, the, the subreddit is, is fantastic for that game. And, um, you know, it's there are, of course, your, your elitist players that... Um, you know, it can can come off as jerks and everything, but for the most part, like there, there's not too many of them because everybody's just super helpful and um, just really great uh, people to to kind of play and and have fun with. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I even jumped on I jumped on Final Fantasy fourteen for the first time, uh, after you know hearing the expansion and everything and like. You were playing it and hearing you talk about it, I was like, this is great. And just hearing the community talk about it, it seemed like something I wanted to go on. I ended up getting caught up with other games and never got around to it. But yeah, they, for a game that launched a while ago, like it's, they've, they've definitely had a year uh, of success as well. So that, that would be great, you know, for them to win over some of these bigger ones like, like Fortnite and Apex or Destiny 2 for that matter. So content creator of the year. Do you guys know any of these people? I I I know the I know name Sh- Shroud. Yeah, um, I've I, heard of the names, but yeah, that's yeah. I don't know any of the other ones or what their content is. Yeah, so again, no offense to the them, but I'll just skip over that category because I have nothing to say. Same with esports coach and esports event and esports game of the year. Yeah, you got like eight esports categories. <laughs> and esports yeah, focus. <laughs> and esports player. I, I follow zero esports. So I have yes, no same. no input there. I will say this about the esports stuff. Yes, like. None of us here are into the whole thing. I would love to be an esports player. That'd sure, be yeah, cool. right. Make yeah. some good money just playing games all the time. But I you, gotta think be, this is... you gotta be good for that, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm awful. We've already discussed that. Uh, I think that it's really cool that all these categories are in because mm-hmm. getting that recognition for esports um, is really good for gaming. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of negativity gets thrown around and whenever you take a look at esports, I think it, it has the, the best, um, just the best kind of camaraderie that between teammates and stuff Mm -hmm. that you can see from any type of sport, uh, and, and the sportsmanship that's involved there. And not to mention, like, you don't have to physically destroy somebody to do this sport yeah and it's just like a really it's, it's just really great to see this this developing into uh, a, a global powerhouse uh, this esporting yeah i mean esports i would say is linked to 
helping bridge that gap of bringing video games into the mainstream, which is funny because a big portion of the game industry, yeah, we like four of us here, we don't really aren't really into it, but it, it's crazy on how many other people there are um, that are, and you know, people that are just as much gamers as you know other things that people that maybe weren't into video games now getting into it because it is a different you know kind of way to see video games and play video games and stuff like that um so yeah i, I think it's cool it seems to be blow, blowing up every year i've seen this many categories i think it's a good sign i've tried to get in myself same kind of thing it's like i you know it's it's, it's also it's getting more broad i think whereas like we go back five years ago and it's we're talking League of Legends and that kind of stuff where now it's just expanded into so many other different games. So I think as long as it's just continues that that road, it's just going to get bigger and we're going to see different kinds of video games making their, their way into esports and that stuff. So. so Family Game, this is, again, this is basically the Nintendo category, I guess. Best yeah, Nintendo Nintendo's game. Nintendo's best game. Yeah. yeah they're, they're literally all Nintendo Yeah, games. they're all Nintendo games. So, uh, again... So this says for the best appro the best game appropriate for family play, irrespective of genre or platform. So again, they just said Nintendo best Nintendo game of the year. We got Luigi's Mansion Three, Ring Fit Adventure, Super Mario Maker Two, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and Yoshi's Crafted World. Um, thoughts on that? I know some of you guys have played some of these games. They're all really good games. Um, you know, Nintendo does does really fine work, and you know, any one of these games could be could be a great um, game for for families to play. I, I mean, I think Smash Brothers is probably the the best bet here, just because literally an entire family can play it once, where all the other games at best are you know two players simultaneously. <clears throat> and the the way Smash Brothers can essentially just be like a party game with all the different settings and things that you can choose for your matches, um, you know, the customization lends itself well to um, family play. So I think that one will will probably win. I hope yeah, it I'm, does. Uh, yeah, I'm with ahead. you there. No, no, I'm, I'm just I'm agreeing. I'm with you there. I think I think Smash Bros ought to take the category because I mean you, you've got people as young as you know first and second grade playing that game all the way up to you know old folks like us. So um, you know when when a game can speak to that many people in that wide of an age age group, then it, I mean that's the perfect family game in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's my family sit down on Saturday morning and I drink my coffee while playing Smash Bros with the kids. <laughs> Uh, we do all kinds of different setups. It's been kind of one of these things that I've really grown to appreciate uh, playing with them, and I, uh, it, it brings our family closer together. I think it's a perfect example. Perfect example. Totally. And that being said, Luigi's Mansion um, would be a great pick too. Just uh, again, you know, it's it's only two people at once, but uh, that game is just so much fun, and all the puzzles and boss fights that you could do together with another person. I played through the entire thing solo. Um, but I mean, having another person there with you playing that game and, and doing everything together, I, I think would be an absolute blast. So, I mean, I'd be okay if that game got picked too. I think it's, it's well-deserved, but I think Smash Brothers is probably uh, the more clear-cut choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree, especially with the DLC fighters and stuff that came this year and the game continuously getting support whenever there's a new character added. They're also updating the game with a bajillion other things and stuff, so it's it's it was a great game when it launched and it's even better today so i i definitely think it's 
it's it deserves it uh ring fit adventure is kind of weird to me like considering it's it's kind of like a, a workout game something you would do by yourself right i, I guess there's maybe a way of kind of <laughs> getting you know hanging out with the family friday night getting a workout on i guess but <laughs> i will say it's kind of cool Sweating with grandma yeah <laughs> it's cool seeing a uh, a peripheral game like this in 2019 getting a nod for a nomination um I, it seems an odd fit because, I mean, is, you'd yeah. think really only one person could play at a time. Yeah. I don't know how that's a family game. I mean, unless you do something and then pass it off to the next person. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't really say family game to yeah. me. I don't know. Maybe maybe because I know that you, like, have this leg strap and you put it on your leg for, like, squats and stuff, the Joy-Con. And then the other Joy-Con goes in that, like, the ring, I guess. And so maybe there's a way of, like... You know, like Adam could have the one on his leg and Steven has the ring and you guys are going on it in the living room. But yeah, it's weird to say that's a family game. Who knows? But um, fighting game. Do you you guys do you guys play fighting games? Just Smash. Yeah, Yeah, I haven't played any of these, but Smash. Did you say, though, that Mortal Kombat, uh, the videos that I've watched on it, because every time they raise the character, they'll give, like, here's their best fatalities of brute. Like, mm-hmm. Those are so entertaining. Yeah. Like, I'll watch those the, by themselves. The Terminator one was, uh, like, I watched the <laughs> fatality video for that. Yeah. It was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Smash. Yeah, I would agree. I think Smash is at that point in its lifespan that it's it's just as much a fighting game. It's a, it's different. It's not the traditional, you know, Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, but it's, right. it's a fighting game. And, Which is good. It's yeah. a good mix-up. Yeah. Um, fresh indie game presented by Subway, recognizing a new independent studio that released its first game in 2019. Uh, so we have uh, Disco Elysium. Did you do you guys know anything about that game? No, I've heard good things, but it's a it's a PC only at right. this point, so, so I can't run it yeah, on my yeah. 2009 <laughs> iMac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we got Gree from uh, my friend Pedro. Sorry, they're they're saying the development studios and then they're saying the names of the game. So, uh, outer worlds and sorry, outer, outer wilds. <laughs> Dang it. I was take a shot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man. Um, slay the spire, which I know you played Adam and untitled goose game. Another game that you play. I missed out on those. Um, yeah, Outer Wilds, I, I checked out. Uh, funny story about Outer Wilds. I saw this tweet that was trending on Twitter about the one of the developers um, behind the game talking about how, I don't know who if it's true or not. I saw that too. Yeah, he, he was like uh, talking about how he got fired from Subway in t- uh, when he was 19 and how great it would be if he like he was just like look at me now subway if he, he had yeah, an award because this this category is sponsored <laughs> by, by subway. subway yeah presented by subway so yeah i think he was the composer for the game actually. oh okay so, yeah, yeah yeah that's crazy that's great which is arguably apparently one of the best parts of outer wilds is the soundtrack um for that game so yeah cool cool category uh game direction we got control um at remedy 505 Games, Death Stranding, Kojima Productions, and Sony Interactive Entertainment, RE2, Capcom, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, From Software, Activision, and Outer Wilds, Mobius Digital, and Annapurna. Um, so game direction, again, this is probably, and I'm just, I think it's probably going to go to Kojima um, because of just 
I mean, the guy yeah. writes his name a gazillion times uh, in the credits on the game. Uh, he's responsible for directing that whole project. So, uh, of course, he had lots of help and, and everything. But, I mean, when you have someone like that, a veteran in the industry, make, bringing this brand new IP, their first IP, new IP in the longest run, uh, I mean, that's just how I think it will go. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he, they take it. So... But I mean, good good to point out control. We've seen a lot of nominations from them, mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. Have you any of you guys played control? No, yeah. no, unfortunately, I, not. I heard good things about it. I'm thinking of maybe checking out at some point down the road. Yeah, it might be a Christmas game. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we do you, you guys do you have Boxing Day in the States? We do. I don't think everywhere many people pay much mind to it, but we do have it okay but have you heard of that garrett yeah i've heard of it okay. I, I don't know that anyone officially uses it or even if it's an official thing yeah here, but yeah i know i know of it okay yeah it's it's i would say it's more like how you guys make a big deal about black friday is like like what canada makes a big deal about boxing day it's like it's mm -hmm. crazy which is like spend a day with your family and the next day let's go out and you know rip tvs from each other and stuff so <laughs> tis the season <laughs> um, indie game or no I skipped games for impact we got concrete genie gree kind words and life is strange 2 sea of solitude I played the first episode of life is strange 2 but with them having such a weird release thing of releasing a new episode every X amount of months it's kind of like it's hard to stay engaged with that game but um, I've heard good things about sea of solitude as well as gree has been one um so, yeah, should be interesting. Independent game, I always love this category. Me and Am always talk about indie games, as you guys know. So we have Baba Is You, Disco Elysium, Katana Zero, Outer Wilds, and Untitled Goose Game. Hands down for me, it's got to be Katana Zero. I would argue that's one of the top... It's in the, my top five. I haven't placed it yet, but it's in my top five games I played this year. It's like a phenomenal indie game. I actually reviewed it for a website, and... It's, uh, from my understanding, a majority of the game's development was done by one person. Um, and so it's kind of like a Stardew Valley type of situation. It's like, wow, one person made this whole game, this world, this story, these characters. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's one that I want to definitely play. I haven't, haven't had a chance yet, but it's yeah. on my list. Highly, yeah, highly recommend a, it. This is a category I've, I've played at least a little bit of nearly every game on this list. And... Um, it's definitely a great lineup. Um, definitely a shout out to Baba Is You, um, which is a really interesting uh, logic puzzle solver game mm -hmm. um, where you just, you kind of have to put, um, you kind of make phrases out of the things around you, like Baba Is You, you're a little creature. And then, you know, the, the clear condition for the stage is usually getting to like a flag or something like that, but that can change based on the different words that are scattered throughout. So it could be, you know, um, you could change Baba is you to like key is you, then all of a sudden you're, right. you're moving around as a key instead mm -hmm. of the little animal. And um, it's really neat what they did there. And then um, Outer Wilds I played for a little bit, didn't really click with me, but um, it, it was a cool idea, cool concept for what they did. 
Untitled Goose Game, of course, that's getting a lot of recognition because honk, um, <laughs> you're just a goose that goes around terrorizing <laughs> yeah. people, and, and how could that not be fun? But yeah. um, I, I agree, Katana Zero for me, I mean, the early, uh, you know, first half of the year, this was a game of the year contender for me. Yeah, loved and, it. And uh, it, was, it was absolutely stellar. I had such a good time with it. So um, it, it, it was open for the possibility of a second game, so hopefully there's one that comes out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would I would definitely pick this for that category. For sure. Um, we'll speed through the next couple categories. Mobile game, Call of Duty Mobile, Grindstone, Zynar Wild Hearts, Sky Children of the Light, and What the Golf. Adam, I know you played What the Golf. This uh, is What the Golf all the way. Yeah, that game really was awesome. That. <laughs> uh, any of you other guys played? I heard Grindstone was apparently quite a... a popular game on uh apple arcade have you guys messed around with apple arcade at all i haven't I, i'm the yeah, kind of guy either. that I, I play a mobile game for like two or three days and then i just can't yeah. i can't stick with them for some reason but i i typically don't go for games like these and so i probably need to to look into some of these type of games sure yeah yeah the only mobile game that i play is idol champions <laughs> nice yeah. that's it yeah <laughs> so it's like i have no idea uh any of these yeah i i know of a lot of them i haven't played any of them yet so uh but shout out to i think mobile like games are are definitely making an impact uh where it's been i think harder for them over the last like several years so Mm -hmm. multiplayer game apex legends borderlands 3 uh, modern warfare tetris 99 obviously an awesome game and then tom clancy's the division 2 uh, Tetris 99 just being a shadow drop kind of game. I think they were like announced it in a direct. It came out and kind of took the world by storm. For me, like not even really caring about Tetris and then having an interest in it. So that's. But again, like Apex Legends, like me and Garrett, we had a great time at the beginning of the year when this game launched. Mm-hmm. Like I was really ecstatic about it. It was one of the first games in a long time that I really, I more of a single player camp campaign kind of player but apex Legends was like i i could get behind playing more multiplayer games because it was it was really fun so mm-hmm. yeah that was like the uh i used to get hooked on all the halo games yeah. the multiplayer a lot and i just kind of got the same vibes from it there's yeah. something about the the feedback loop of the game um, totally. just really really sucked me in for shout a while. out to respawn for just totally yeah. knocking it out of the park this year yeah. seriously because apex apex was the only game that got me into a battle royale game mm-hmm. you know like yeah. it was it really drew you in, and and now that you mention it, Carrie, you're right. It has that it has that Halo feel to it, mm-hmm. where it's just as a um, you get in, you pick up the controller, you start playing, you can be decent at it, and it it's it fits the battle royale form. So it's a it's a yeah. it's definitely a well made well made multiplayer game. Yeah, and the, and the thing I always look for in, in multiplayer games um, and that I think Halo did a really good job of is even if you're losing, you're having fun. And I think Apex yeah. did a really, mm-hmm. really good job yeah. of that, especially with the ability for um, your teammates to, to pull you back into the game even if you've already died. So, um, yeah, that would definitely be my vote on this category. But Tetris 99 is definitely up there as well. For yeah, because sure, yeah. that's another game for sure that even if you're losing, you're having a good time. I did actually record one, one first-place victory uh, in that game and a couple like top five finishes too but you know plenty of times where I'm I'm out you know around the 50s or something like that but it was still such a lot of fun and like um, you know people joked with with all the battle royale games that came out I'm pretty sure before this game dropped there were jokes made that what's next a Tetris battle royale and then sure enough <laughs> here it is yeah um, and 
I mean, it's it's great. It was just a fun new way to play Tetris, and and I loved it. But yeah, I think I think Apex is probably um, probably top top of the list here mm -hmm. um, in terms of multiplayer game. Yeah, for sure. Narrative for outstanding storytelling and narrative development in a game. We have a Plague Tale: Innocence, Control, Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, and The Outer Worlds. Um, hard to say with this one. I haven't played Plague Tale Innocence or Disco Elysium, but Outer Worlds, for me, like, I didn't think that game had, like, a crazy strong story or anything like that. Um, I don't know but what But the side quest, I was talking to Steven about this earlier, like, the, the main story in that game is, is really nothing to write home right. about, but as you do the side quests that's and, like, the character-specific quests, like, that's where a lot of where a lot of the storytelling takes place True. And you, yeah. you learn a lot about your companions and everything and I think that's where the, sh the strongest storytelling is in that game and, and they did a really good job with that mm -hmm. so. yeah they squeezed a lot of story into even like the uh, the terminals that you could like hack into and read people's oh, yeah. emails yeah, yeah. and stuff like that I found a lot of that really interesting, interesting but sure. I agree the, the main main story was just kind of a story but yeah, um, yeah um, I, I think Death Stranding will probably take this one. Just I like I said, I haven't gotten super far into it, but what I've seen of it, uh, you know, the stories, it's out there. But it's it's uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it how it concludes, and I think that'll probably be be my choice once I finish it up. Yeah, I think for Death Stranding, like even though it's it is kind of like I've said it, I think on the show last week of like you need an encyclopedia by your side to know what <laughs> BTS and BBs and time fall and chiral and all these terms like what do they mean they're all made up words um but the story itself is is pretty good i i, I like adam had a couple issues with the story um but even the just speaking to the outer uh outer worlds with hacking computers and reading emails and stuff is the same with death Stranding. is like that game has a ton of emails that you get from some of the people you deliver yeah. packages from and like they it's kind of weird because they're like telling them telling you your life story and it's funny because like when sam makes these deliveries he like norman reese has recorded no lines basically right. when for the <laughs> sequence of delivering a package so they're like hey thank you so much like in they're telling life stories like there's this guy who um gets married and then there's all these other stories about this other people being transporter porters and uh, delivering packages and running into things and like it's it's crazy it's it's the amount of detail into all those side stories that people could totally miss if they just didn't read those emails or check out the interviews and stuff it's like there's so much content that just it basically takes the story to another level so yeah it's I think it would be Outer Worlds or Death Stranding um, but again I can't speak to the other ones because I haven't played them but. Ongoing game, again, very similar to community support game, Apex Legends, Destiny 2, Final Fantasy XIV, Fortnite, and Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, performances, we have Ash Ashley Birch as Pervati in The Outer Worlds, uh, Courtney Hope in Control, Laura Bailey in Gear as Kat Diaz in Gears 5. Uh, we got Mads Mikkelsen as Cliff in Death Stranding. Uh, Matthew Peretta as Dr. Casper Darling in Control, and Norman Reedus as Sam Porter Bridges' Death Stranding. Um, I will say it's weird seeing, like, I understand Norman Reedus, why he's on here. He's the main character of a video game, and he, but personally, he's one of the, like, weakest parts of the game, in my opinion, because mm -hmm. he's just, yeah, like, no, I agree. he's what he is on The Walking Dead as Daryl. Like, he's very, like, 
doesn't say a lot. He's kind of frowning all the time and like just is like, you know, you're you're forcing him to go up these mountains. He doesn't really show too much interest in like what's going on so it's like it's hard to get connected to him as a character and even um, as things kind of start going off the rails like he doesn't really have much to say yeah. like he doesn't seem to think or talk for himself much mm-hmm. yeah it's weird like it's like there there's so many parts of the game where just there's he doesn't say anything so it's like he's kind of like the silent protagonist in yeah, a way right um which is weird having someone that probably cost a fortune <laughs> um yeah, but Mads, on the other hand, awesome oh character. Probably, I need yeah. him to win yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, even just what I've seen from the uh, the BB flashback so far, yeah. I'm like, oh, I don't even know. I didn't. I don't even didn't even know his name was Cliff yeah. till this point. That's how you know not far into the game I am. But yeah, he deserves it clearly. It, it, it's cool. He has a which we'll, I can't wait to talk about. He has such a interesting. I kind of not predictable, but like you can kind of put the pieces together. Um, even if you've seen the trailer, you can come up with some theories as to his connection to the story. And it's, uh, yeah, the first time you encounter him, even though there's not much of a story beat there of dialogue, like that sequence was like, whoa, this, it just turned the game into a completely different game. Um, right. He's like a different, a- he's like, he's the aspect of Death Stranding that is like th- another layer to everything else that you're doing, like delivering car. Like it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty phenomenal. I was joking with Steven earlier before the show and saying that it, it's not even fair that they brought him in on this list because he's he's just he's a ringer, you know, yeah. like <laughs> he's yeah. had so many amazing performances exactly, yeah. and, and this is, you know, no different. He did he did a phenomenal job and you know, he you know, I didn't play control or uh Gears Five, so I mean I can't really speak to those performances, but from the time that they show him in Death Stranding, he's just he's just killer. Like yeah. he he's so good. Yeah, he's really good. I mean He's a he's a big big name actor. I, to be honest, not th- that I think he's maybe a snob or anything, but I think he's like so Hollywood, not Hollywood, but just a big name that like I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't even he- at the awards to like if he won to accept I his award. <laughs> I hope he's there too. That would be awesome. But even if like uh, even if he just like comes on as like a presenter, like to read off a, a card for another category or something, kind of yeah. like how. Uh, you know, the voices of, of Kratos and, and his kid right. were on there last year. Yeah. Like, that was just a cool mm-hmm. little extra, I thought. Yeah. He's the one character, I would say, like, real person, actor, that has probably been the quietest. Like, maybe he's not. he doesn't have a huge social media presence, but Norman Reedus, um, you know, uh, the guy who plays Die Hard Man, and um, obviously Troy Baker, like, I guess he's part of, really into the video game industry, but right. he's the one that Matt says I haven't really seen him at press events doing interviews or anything whereas all the other characters I kind of have so yeah I like I said it's he, he's deserving of it um but he definitely he's he's kind of on a different level to all these other people it'd be like if like Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> was in a game or something yeah, yeah I know yeah. what you're saying yeah <laughs> uh role-playing game Disco Elysium Final Fantasy 14 Kingdom Hearts 3 Monster Hunter World Iceborne and the Outer Worlds again just again probably a category that could go to any of those this is another wtf where's fire emblem yeah as yeah well. yeah uh, but even still going up against final fantasy 14 it's true yeah because you, know, uh, <laughs> you mentioned mentioning about the massively multiplayer experience like 14 delivers it i think the only thing at this point uh mmo wise that could even try and hold a torch to it would be wow classic because mm-hmm. of some of the hype that came up around right. it 
but um, you know, I mentioned it, I mentioned a lot about how the plot of Shadowbringers fell flat with me, but mm-hmm. I know it. That's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody, there's people that have uh, really enjoyed the Shadowbringers plot and the environments. And me and Adam were talking that um, I think that the soundtrack for Shadowbringers should be on the best soundtrack or, or music for a game yeah. because it is one of the best mm-hmm. in Final Fantasy uh, uh, for a long time too because it's a uh, you know Final Fantasy music is something that really resonates I'm a, I'm a big Distant Worlds fan and Final Fantasy 14 has consistently produced tracks that uh, have an emotional resonance with me and it's, it's just a really great game mm-hmm. role playing game wise also yeah real solid soundtrack for sure Next, we have score in music. So we have Cadence of Hyrule, Death Stranding, Devil May Cry 5, Kingdom Hearts 3, and Sinar Wild Hearts. Um, Death Stranding is a little weird to me there because like, yeah. you have Ether with like all this original music, whereas Death Stranding... It, like, it, the category does say, for outstanding music, inclusive of score, original song, and or licensed soundtrack. And Death Stranding does have a great soundtrack. Um, something I actually want to talk about next week on the show, so I'll I'll share save my thoughts for then. But yeah, um, it, um, the, all these games I think. Well, I don't know. I I really liked Kane's High Roll. That was when I was playing yeah. that game. Those songs were like stuck in my head days after mm-hmm. I played it. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But sports racing game got CTR Nitro Fueled Dirt Rally 2.0 Evolution Pro. Or eFootball Pro Evolution Soccer 2020, F1 2019, one of the best games of the year, obviously, uh, and then FIFA 20. <laughs> so, just a solid category here. I kind of <laughs> joke because it's like there's only a specific crowd, I think, that really. I, I like sports games. I do play my NHL here and there. Obviously, I'm into hockey being a Canadian, but it's like, okay, this, like, I feel like sports games are, are only speak to a certain kind of crowd i guess but yeah, yeah it's weird to see two soccer games on here yeah. and you don't have any hockey no basketball no football it just seems like a kind of yeah. a weird category in my opinion yeah exactly would have been funny to see something like wk uh w2k 2020 uh strategy game age of wonders planet fall Anno 1800, Fire Emblem Three Houses, so here's your Fire Emblem representation, but again, this is the only time it shows up in yeah. the nominations. Uh, Total War, Three Kingdoms, Tropico Six, and Wargroove. Heard great things about Wargroove um, when it released, but not as familiar with most of these games, just because I think some are PC, more aimed at the PC crowd. Um, and for me to speak to the Fire Emblem thing, I, I, I'm i with you guys. I think it should definitely be in the RPG category because yeah. so much of that game is, you know, building the relationships mm-hmm. and changing your stats and blah, 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 blah. Um, the strategy part of it is, is almost secondary in, in, at some points, right. you know what I mean? So, um, I mean, it's definitely a strategy game, but it's a strategy RPG. Yeah. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, the I would have liked to see it in both. Really customize each character too and kind of have them specialize in different things like that's that's rpg through and through um so it's weird to me that that's not on that list but uh monster hunter is mm-hmm. i just right. find that odd yeah right last category is vr ar game asgard's wrath blood and truth 
Beat Saber, No Man's Sky, and Trover Saves the Universe. Um, Steven, I know you're big into No Man's Sky. If you Do you have a PlayStation VR? Have you had the experience? I will game? say this. Um, I don't have the VR gear for PlayStation. Okay. But this game, uh, after seeing VR and getting the reviews back on how it is in VR, if I had the funds to expend on the VR set, <laughs> yeah. I would get it for this. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from what I understand, the VR experience in No Man's Sky is one of the best across the board for all VR games ever. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are having fun with it. And with your characters in VR, it frees your hands up so you have better character movement animations with uh, with VR hooked up into it. Not to mention the fact that the game needs an award uh, mm-hmm. for the constant change <laughs> that it has gone through and to listen to the community the way that Hello Games has mm-hmm. around this. Um, give them something. Yeah. Like, just give it to them. Because it's, it's just so good. So and they good. delivered all that extra stuff for free. Like, they're not charging for it like, you know, other... Other companies, you know, you look at Fallout 76 and how they're trying to monetize with the changes that they're making. And mm-hmm. Hello Games isn't doing that, and that's that's very respectable. Yeah. No, for sure. I think they've had a kind of a Cinderella story of, you know, being down in the gutter at launch with all the issues it had, and now it's just, like, a completely different game. And hearing, like, the community, like, like you, Steve, and someone who is really interested in, like, they're they seem to really enjoy that game and everything that they're doing. The developers, you know, taking that 360, fixing their mistakes and stuff. So, yeah, I agree. It'd be great for them to get some sort of recognition, um, even if it is a very specific category to VR and stuff, just so they get awarded for something. And it worked out of the gate. And that's, you know, that's something with with a new piece of technology, to have something that whenever it comes out, Mm -hmm. that it works immediately. Yeah. uh, Despite, you know... there's the there's the the classic bugs that come along with things, but the VR never really fell into the, like the VR action itself never really fell into that buggy category. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of the game yeah, gameplay for sure. Uh, and so it came out working, and um, and yeah, all the reviews on it is uh, are stellar whenever it comes to the uh, the interaction. Yeah. All right, so that's it for the nominees of the Game Awards 2019. And again, you can watch it for yourself on. 29 uh 2019 thursday december 12th 2019 uh it's basically streaming i think on like a ton of platforms that's one of the things that jeff's trying to push is you can watch it on youtube twitch mixer and then a whole bunch of these other um, platforms and stuff so uh yeah i'll i'll be watching and it will be interesting it's an interesting year for like the last couple years we've had we've had gods of war and and Legends of Zelda's Breath of Wild kind of stuff. Like, it's it's a different year this year. The awards are a little different um, from what we've had the last couple of years, but um, it seems to be, you know, a, most of these games are kind of in all the categories, right? So, uh, yeah, who knows? if We definitely won't hear the end of the whole Jeff Keighley, Kojima, <laughs> bro, bromance if Death Stranding <laughs> cleans up, which will be a bit annoying, but what can you do? I think the the it, it's funny because the entire advisory board for the game awards are all studios and producers of the games that we're voting on. Right. Yeah. So like collusion, in that sense, is built into the game awards itself. Like the people who run the show, 
Like they all make no, the games. Yeah, too. right. Yeah. And that's how the Oscars are. That's how the Grammys are. I yeah. mean, it's just why would you not have people that are in the industry being on the board yeah. of that kind of thing? Right. You know, it just doesn't really make. It's like, do you want who do you want to do it? Then you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it just doesn't really make yeah. much sense. Keely's just the face. Yeah, he he's he's the one who is like when it was with the whole Spike Game Awards. Like, he wanted to establish it to be something. Um, big and and represents you know achievements in the industry um and for people that are are part of the industry right not having all these you know we do get a little bit we still have you got got an award show we got sponsors of subway coming in here and there right but like i i it's i think it's closer to having an awards that are representative of the industry more so than yeah it's i i without Go ahead. Without Keeley, we wouldn't have a Game Awards. Yes, yeah, exactly. To have this conversation about anyway. So, so I hate his face. But I respect <laughs> him. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. That took a little longer than I expected. But how are we doing on time, guys? Are you, you guys getting tight? Like, are we good? I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. Okay. Because yep. I know, Adam, Steven, you're a couple hours ahead of me. So I need to rush things up. Just, again... Maybe send me a message or something so I can speed it up. But uh, let's move on to talking about some big games. Um, first one we're going to talk about is Pokemon Sword and Shield. Steve and I have yet to play the game ourselves. We are going to play the game eventually. Um, but uh, Adam and Garrett have both played the game. So I want to hear your guys' impressions of the game so far. Uh, so Adam, which, which one did you go with and... What do you think of Pokemon so far? So I picked up Pokemon Shield, and I I really love it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And there was just some uh, overall some nice kind of quality of life things that they did with the game. And um, I know there's a lot of beef with, you know, Nintendo not putting the full Pokemon roster in the game. But that doesn't really concern me. Like, I'm never a person that ends up with a full Pokedex at the end of the game. I don't normally import tons of Pokemon after the, which you can't do until after the game's beat anyway. So um, it's not something that really concerns me, but it is, it's just a a really fun Pokemon game. And, and they kind of cut down on a lot of the the tutorials and the, some of the handholding that you usually see in these games where it takes an hour or two before you really get into, to the meat of it. There is still some of that, but it's not as egregious as in other Pokemon games. And I mean, this is probably my favorite one since X and Y. Um, I kind of fell out a little bit with with Sun and Moon. I wasn't huge into those games, but, um, you know, it just, it looks nice. Um, You know, I I like, you know, in some areas you have a little bit more control of the camera. Um, The the Pokemon are great. The selection that they do have in there is really good. Like, I'm constantly catching things where it's like, oh my god, I really want to put this in my party, but I already have this roster of six in my group that, like, you know, becomes who am I going to put in there, and... Um, I think that's awesome because in a, a lot of other Pokemon games, like I get my core six and I just stick with that. I'm good to go. But this one really has just a great mix of new Pokemon kind of, um, you know, kind of revamped ones for the Galar region that, you know, like Meowth, for instance, is, is not the same Meowth that you'd find in Gen 1. So some of those kind of remixes of, of old Pokemon is really nice. The, the wild area, I think it's super cool. I know a lot of people want to basically the entire game to be the wild area and i get that um i think that'd be kind of cool to have like just a totally open world but i think with what they did here um you know just kind of 
maybe acquainting themselves with with sort of an open world thing is you know a step in the right direction and and it's really neat i mean there's tons of stuff you can find out there there's there's varying conditions that determine what you find out there so whether it's the the weather if it's day if it's night um what specific region of the wild area you're in so there's there's a lot of things like you know you have the the dynamax battles that you can do like the little raids which has been kind of a down point for me because while they're really cool for some reason i have not once been able to connect with other players to do these big fights but when you complete them it's it's very satisfying because i mean you get to catch you know a pokemon that you may not already have and you get a whole bunch of items out of it so you get you know berries that you can use for making curries or um, using them in battle to uh, cure status ailments or heal HP or something like that. And then you get, um, you know, moves that you can teach Pokemon. So as you go through, you get the, the TMs, which are basically moves that you can teach uh, to certain Pokemon based on their type or whatever. And you can reuse those uh, as many times as you want. But some of the ones that you get from these uh, Dynamax fights, you you can only use it once. So you have to be a little bit more cautious on which Pokemon you give it to. Um, but you get some really great moves out of these fights. Some, uh, some that you might not already have a TM for, or maybe you can't get, you know, readily by, by purchasing it. Um, there's a lot of character customization with the different outfits and everything you can put on them. Um, they give you a bike fairly early on in the game. So you can travel a little bit faster. There is fast travel as well, which is really quick. Uh, so you can get to areas that you've already been to really fast, uh, which is nice. And the uh, the the gyms are a lot of fun too. Like, you know, before you're just kind of walking into a building, you fight a couple trainers, and then you fight the, the gym leader, and then that's kind of it. You get your badge, you walk out, whatever. Um, but in this one, you go in and you complete a challenge, which is usually some sort of little puzzle. Nothing difficult or anything, but it's just kind of a fun break from from the norm. And then you fight the gym leader and you step out onto like a soccer pitch and there's, you know, it's a stadium and it's filled with people and, and it just gives a sense that the, the, the battle with the gym leader is so much bigger than what we're used to seeing. It, it really makes it feel like you're doing something big. And, and I really like that. And then of course, during these fights, you know, you do the, the Dynamax thing, making your Pokemon all giant and stuff and, and that's really cool, too, because, again, you feel like you're on a really big stage doing this big thing. And um, it, it's really neat. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, I have five badges right now. So, you know, maybe a little over halfway through. And it's just it's just fun. Like, it's kind of one of those games that when I'm not playing it, I wish that I was playing it. So I um, it, there were days where I just had a really hard time choosing, like, am I going to play Star Wars? Am I going to play Pokemon? Like, which game am I going to pick? And um, it was it was really interesting having that sort of inter internal struggle with a Pokemon game, which is just kind of, it's just kind of another Pokemon game, but it's better than what, you know, past entries have been. So mm -hmm. it's it's just been great. It sounds, it sounds like... Like I've I've yet to play it and judge for myself, but it does sound like they've made some big changes to it, but not not big like big as in like we're totally revamping Pokemon. Right. Um. It sounds like it's still kind of the same, but they are t maybe taking baby steps to making it uh, like 
different from the the typical formula because it, mm-hmm. it is it is a uh, you know hard for for them with it being such a long series is like well if we change it too much then we have our diehard hardcore fans that have been playing since blue and red they might get angry with us messing with something that you know what basically has established pokemon and as a franchise but then if you stick it the same when's the point going to be like okay you know it's just another pokemon game right we always see Mm -hmm. that with things big long running franchises like call of duty or halo and that kind of stuff so i yeah sounds garrett how about how about you have your opinions been all positive what do you think of it well um you know, so I want to preface my, my thoughts here by saying that this is a good game. It, there's no question about that. It's a fun game. It's a, it's a great game. Um, as far as Pokemon games go, um, in my opinion, it's, it's one of the weakest. Um, and, and I'll start with the things that I do really like about it that, that stood out to me. Um, the music in this game is incredible. Um, I heard a lot of really cool funky bass lines going around. Um, <laughs> Just, just really uh, has a cool like um, electronic vibe in some songs, and some I good just remixes of, of classic tunes. Yeah, too, which is nice. absolutely. Yeah. So um, the music really spoke to me. I'm really digging the tunes in this one. Um, I really like the new Pokemon. I haven't encountered a single one yet that I'm like, what is that? You know. But um, I think they've all got you know some unique designs, some cool evolutions. Um, uh, other than that, um, the challenges, like you mentioned, Adam, before the gym, you know, they're not anything crazy. We've seen little mini games and puzzles before gyms before, but they've kind of fleshed them out a little bit more and made them a, a little more entertaining. And I, I really did enjoy that. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and, and start speaking on a few of the things that, that kind of irk me. Um, the graphics, um, you can tell that they've definitely recycled a lot of things from the 3DS era, but which wouldn't wouldn't be a big deal, except for that they've also created a lot of new assets as well. And when you see those things next to each other, it's super glaring, in my opinion. Like, for example, in the wild area, you'll come up um, next to, they have these berry trees that they haven't really had um, a 3D model of that exact berry tree in, in the 3DS game. So it's clearly a new model. It looks really cool. Um, the berries are super colorful. And then right next to it, you have this generic tree that looks like it was made for a Ocarina of Time or something. Um, it, it, it's just really a stark contrast, in my opinion, that it's, it really catches my eye every time I see it. And it's, it's kind of a, a nuisance to me. Um, the animations in battle haven't really improved much, in my opinion. Uh, they still just kind of hop around and you see like an outline of a foot for a kick or you see a, just a random explosion for a fire move. And I'd really like to see them step it up and do some more, like actually animate the Pokemon's mouth opening and blowing out fire or, uh, you know, a leg physically moving and kicking. And I know that all takes time and it all takes money, but I mean, Pokemon's like, the highest grossing media franchise in the entire world. So they, they've got the money. They could do this if they wanted to. It just seems to me like they've kind of fallen into a, a rhythm and they can crank these games out every year at this point. And, and um, a couple things are suffering for it, in my opinion. Um, again, it's a fun game. I really have enjoyed my time with it. I just, I just think that they had they given it six more months or even another year, you know, they, they could have turned this into the breath of the wild of Pokemon rather than kind of a half step. Um, the wild area, like, like Adam said, is pretty cool. Uh, it's really cool to be able to just kind of free roam. The thing I didn't like so much about it was that it's basically sectioned off and you kind of just see the same Pokemon in that one specific section. So to me, 
there's not a huge difference between that and just like going to a different route. You know what I'm saying? So, um, when you've got those Pokemon grouped together like that, it, it, it I kind of wanted to see the wild area where, you know, you would, you would just be walking around and you'd see 30 or 40 different types of Pokemon and they could all be in any area of the, of the, uh, the section of, of, of land that's kind of that free roam. But again, you know, I was happy to see them take a chance with that and, and what they've done is pretty cool. Um, as far as the Dynamax, Gigantamax, it's cool, but to me, it seems like a, it, all they did was really kind of combine like mega evolution and the, the Z moves. I think they were called from sun and moon. Um, it's cool. It, I really do enjoy the, uh, the arenas, uh, for the gym battles. That was another thing that, that really stood out to me was like the stadium, uh, feel that was something I always liked about the Pokemon stadium games was it made your battles feel like a big deal. Um, and I definitely get that feeling from, from the battles in this game and, and the Gigantamax looks really cool. But, um, again, in my opinion, it's kind of just a mishmash of the, the kind of gimmicks that they've put in the last two generations. Um, and then I, I guess I got to be the guy that the missing Pokemon is, is a big deal for me. Um, that's always been my favorite thing about the games. The battling is just, you know, basic RPG stuff. The, the stories are always kind of linear and predictable, but the collecting of all the monsters is something that I've always really enjoyed doing. That's what gives the games legs for me. I like to, um, you know, breed the Pokemon to get the ones that you can't get from your version or trade with other people or, um, you know, import from the last games. And so for me, it, it is kind of a big deal. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't have my pitchfork out. I'm not, you know, upset about it. I got the game. I'm playing the game and I'm, I'm enjoying the game, but it, it was a disappointment for me. Um, overall, like I said, it's a good game. Um, in terms of Pokemon games though, I think sun and moon, ultra sun and moon are, are my least favorite. And this would probably be right above those. Um, and that's, you know, that's just kind of how it fell for me. And it, and it sucks because I, I am a big Pokemon fan. I've been a fan since Red and Blue. It's one of the things I look forward to um, every time a new game's coming out. And it's just kind of been a bummer that the last three, well, I guess Let's Go I actually did really enjoy. But the last three mainline games have just kind of been a bummer for me. So, mm. um, yeah, like I said, great game. Just yeah. not a great Pokemon game in my opinion. Interesting. Adam, how do did, how did you feel about the exclusion of all the pokemon is that something that was important to because that was something that i think was yeah there is there well, there is more than one reason but like the the bo boycott and game freak lied about the importing certain like you were talking about garrett of 3ds things and whatever how did garrett do you what are your thoughts around some of those or sorry adam what is your thoughts around the exclusion of those Things. So it's not a it's not a huge deal for me. Like obviously it would have been cool if they were able to do that because I, I did on my 3ds days I did have the uh, Pokemon Bank service, so you could mm -hmm. basically take Pokemon from those games, put them into like a centralized app, and then you could pull those into different games and and be able to use them. So if you had, um, you know, I, I think I had a Mewtwo that I dragged around to you know, three or four different Pokemon games and, you know, a few others as well. A couple favorites um, I did that with. So obviously it would have been cool to do that. There are a few that, um, you know, I really liked throughout the years that are no longer present or able to be played. So there is that. But I mean, at the same time, like I've never caught them all since Red and Blue. So, I mean, 
uh, going for the completionist aspect is, is not something that is a big deal for me. And again, I, I enjoyed all the new Pokemon they've put in there so far. And there's definitely been enough variety that, that I'm happy with the ones that I'm getting. And I'm, you know, trying to figure out which ones I want to put in my party. And um, so I think there's enough there for me that I don't necessarily need to have every single Pokemon. But again, when they're offering services, like I think they're calling it Pokemon Home now, uh, where you can keep your Pokemon. So if you do have all those in there and you're not able to bring them in, it's kind of like, what's the service for if I can't use them? Um, so I definitely get the frustration, but it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like it doesn't, it's not affecting my enjoying the game. Right. Yeah. And to be clear, you know, like, uh, like I said, it, it, for me, that's what gives the game legs. Um, if I, if to me, I don't want to collect them all in this one because there's, I'm not collecting them all. Um, and I understand that some people that's not a big deal for them. Um, and that, for me, when the game's over, um, unless there's a really, I mean, there usually is a, a pretty good post game in the, the recent Pokemon games. But after that, uh, for me, I'm not a competitive guy. I'm not a, you know, someone that wants to go around and find all the items that I missed or anything like that. I, I just wanted to collect them all. And I don't feel motivated to do it in this one. And that's, that's really the only bummer for me. I don't care about having every individual one like I don't care about every Pokemon that mm -hmm. deeply it's just the fact that I can't do it is right. kind of upsetting because I've always been able to do it you know yeah I think whenever like a, you know big IP such as Pokemon um, takes out like something that's been included for so long you're there's there's no doubt that there's going to be people upset by that decision and stuff like like exactly here then you might have some people like Adam who they didn't really care about that aspect, but with it being such a big aspect, I, I agree. I, I understand why people are upset. Like for myself, having not played the game yet, I am going to play the game once my Stadia refund comes in. I'll go and, and purchase <laughs> it. But I, when I, I remember that first announcement that we saw. I think it was at E three um, when we saw. I can't remember his name, but the basically the. The creator of Pokemon series or whatever, um, he, how when he was sitting at the desk, it was a weird announcement when he was like sitting at his desk and he's like, we have this brand new Pokemon RPG coming to this new console and stuff. Everyone had it in their minds. They set these expectations that it was going to be this big brand new world um, in this franchise and it maybe didn't quite make that. Um, I think they are taking steps to to try and change it up to, to do something. It seems like it's hard because Pokemon has always had kind of like Zelda having a 2D Zelda or a 3D Zelda. Pokemon's had that, you know, handheld Pokemon games. And then you've had some console ones throughout the year, you know, going back to Nintendo 64, Stadium, Coliseum, on uh, the GameCube and stuff. And now that we have this Switch that's kind of like a hybrid, people, some people will solely play it handheld and they might want that familiar handheld Pokemon experience, but maybe something they want something big or something with that changes up the tr traditional, you know, loop of it all. So, um, Steven, you obviously are quite excited about this game. You're going to get it. How do you feel going into it? What are you, what are, do you have any thoughts around some of the, the takes on this game? I think, uh, like Garrett, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be a little sad that some of the Pokemon have not carried over. Um, 
I don't I don't know the list. I'm trying not to spoil myself too much, other than whenever I took a look at exclusives, so I knew which game I was going to get. Um, but I I am going to be sad if if there's certain ones that end up not making an appearance in the in the game, you know. Uh, but I think uh, on Adam, uh, similar to Adam, uh, it's not going to break my experience any. I mean, I I kind of lost track of the series at and and this it goes way back to Gold and Silver, uh, and coming off of coming off of Red, and going into uh, you know that second gen, and you get what two hundred and fifty Pokemon that you're going after. I think in those ones, I almost felt overwhelmed with that much of a Pokédex, and it kind of. Um, Almost, so, almost the same way that Skyrim did whenever it opened up the world for us with that game. I almost got lost in it and kind of, you know, uh, lost track of where I was yeah. and what I was doing. <laughs> um, so, like, it, I, it's it, it's one of those, uh, I'm on the fence with it. You know, I'm, I want all the Pokemon, but I know that if all of them were there, I would get that sense of, that overwhelming sense that I'm, I'm never going to be able to complete the game. You know, it's, because uh, I do want to catch them all. Um, am I going to get around to doing it? I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, you always want more. You yeah. always want more mm-hmm. on it. I, I like, uh, both of you guys' reviews and, and I think the one thing that I'm most excited to get into is going to be the wild area. You guys mm-hmm. really have painted a great picture of that. And, um, you know, Garrett, you're saying it's not the, the breath of the wild of Pokemon, but it sounds like, uh, between what you guys were saying is it's kind of taking a step in that direction. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. giving us an open world, uh, starting to move us towards an open open world Pokemon experience, which I think would be a really cool thing to explore. And I'm ready to kind of see this mishmash of old school versus new school uh, exploration. Yeah, I really think this is kind of a stopgap between the Pokemon that that we've known for you know however many years and and the next step of that. Like I, I think that you know maybe next year we'll get some sort of rehash of. Um, you know, Sword and Shield, like they tend to do, you know, like they did with Sun and Moon Ultra. Mm-hmm. I, I think we'll see something like that. And then, you know, maybe two years from now, we'll get that big kind of, you know, hopefully Breath of Wild type experience where it's just like a total overhaul, like super open world, like, you know, changing the definition of what a Pokemon game is. So, I, I mean, I think we'll still have another, you know, two years before we get to that point. But I think this is that kind of middle ground between those two um, you know, play styles. I do have one question for you guys then too. Um, do you kind of get a sense that there's going to be a, uh, no pun intended, an evolution of the game as we go mm-hmm. forward through the year? Uh, do you, do you feel that they're going to be able to make updates, add to the Pokedex, expand the, expand the world out any, like, do you kind of get that sense or feel from that at all? Or are we kind of sitting at with the game and it's going to be this forever? I could see them adding to the Pokedex, um, you know, maybe in, in patches and things, you know, because as you go through the wild area, you, you there's like those nests that you investigate, and that's essentially what triggers the Dynamax battles or, or the raids, whatever they call them. Um, so they could make some some Pokemon that aren't in the game now maybe uh, able to be caught through those types of battles. Um, as far as changing the world or expanding the wild area, I don't really see that in the works, but I think um, we could see an expanded Pokemon roster in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't think there's much room for changing much of the, the layout of the world or anything like that. But um, yeah, I, I think they could add some some Pokemon in. And I think that would be a welcome addition for a lot of people. And 
Um, like I said, I don't think they're going to change the world, um, but I think something that would be cool was if the wild area was seasonal. Like every couple mm-hmm. months they switched out what Pokemon were in there. So if, if they wanted to limit it to there's only 400 Pokemon in the game at a time or something, but then every season they switch out which ones are available. You know what I'm saying? So like almost like Fortnite where at this point things change and then you're, we're not going back to the old way. You got these new 75 Pokemon are cycling in and these 75 ones that you've had three months to catch, they're going away. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be a really cool addition and maybe that's something that they could consider for the, the breath of the wildization of Pokemon. Right, yeah, that, that would definitely be an interesting thing to see because, I, I mean, as we see now, there's, you know, um, kind of day and night, I, I guess, is based on, on your local time. I think um, so. But then, you know, you do have kind of the weather effects that come in. So to see them expand that to it's really weird to go into a very green area where there's plenty of grass, the trees are green, and then it's it's snowing for for no reason. Right. Um, It it would be nice to see that come in, that sort of weather come in based on a seasonal change rather than just shoehorning uh, a weather effect into an area that doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. This brings up an interesting point because uh, Pokemon Go, which I'm a player of, it. I guess that's another mobile game I play, but uh, the the weather of the day will affect what Pokemon show up and how they're enhanced. So that would be an interesting feature to see added in is, is the weather changing based off your local area, just as you do with your, your night and day off your local time. Um, I think there's a lot of potential there. I think they've, they've got a bunch of really good ideas in, in throughout the history of Pokemon. They've had all these really cool ideas, but it seems like every time we move to the next generation, they cut off a couple things that they innovated on and innovate on new things. And it's like, why can we not just keep everything we've done and, and, and build on it from there, you know? So I think we're getting there. Right. Right. (laughs) I think we're going to get there, but, um, this grumpy old man's just ready for it to happen. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it still blows my mind that we're, you know, we're in 2019 and Pokemon is still strong as ever. Uh, like here, especially like here in the West, I know like when it first came to the West, it was blew up. Like it was all over. I was pretty young. Maybe, maybe you guys would know of, it, it was, it was that thing of like Fortnite. People were talking about it on the news and it was making waves. And it's like, here we are today. And like today it was just announced that it, it was the fastest selling Nintendo switch game so far mm-hmm. at yeah. selling 6 million copies sold in the first week, which also makes it, uh, think one of the fastest selling in the series mm-hmm. um yeah fa- fastest selling game ever in the west upon release so that's that's pretty crazy that even even though there there seems to be like longtime fans kind of on the fence of whether they really really like it or they're you know they have their skepticisms of these omissions and things that you know aren't in the game it's still clear that they're they're going strong, and it, it just that just blows my mind altogether. But uh, I'm sure we'll continue at, to talk about it on the show, especially once I get in on it. Um, Steven, again, maybe we'll have to come come back one of these weeks. Um, you two, Garrett, give an update. Maybe we'll, we could even schedule some down the line, maybe doing a, a Pokemon specific review and talk about once all of us have completed or something like that. But sure, um, yeah, I. It's uh, it's a Pokemon game, so I guess that could that's a good thing. So, uh, 
let's let's move on. We're uh, how are we doing for time? We're, okay, um, let's let's talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So let's do it. <laughs> this is uh, I've I've been pretty excited. I have to say it's been uh, I I going into this. I'll start us off, I guess, because Adam, you've beat it. Garrett, you're have you? Beat I'm it? super close. Okay. I think I'm on like to the. I think I've probably got like 15 minutes left. To be honest, gotcha, I could okay. not finish it up before we <laughs> yeah, started. Though I was trying. Um, so why don't I start? Because I definitely have the least amount played. So I probably have the least amount of impressions because I haven't seen the whole thing yet. Um, so to so to start off with, I've I am pretty pretty big into Star Wars. I'm not one of those people that are. Like obsessed with it, know everything about the Star Wars universe. I'm one of those people that are really bad at retaining like lore and stuff. Um, Megan is much better at that. So like when we're watching Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or anything with like lots of stuff in there, I'm always being like, so who's this? How's this connected? All the the canon stuff, you know. I'm bad at retaining that. So every time I jump into Star Wars, it doesn't necessarily connect to me, uh, even though I'm really into the this. IP, I, I have a hard time, I guess, like it, it does what some might make a major impact to some people might not as much as me. I just, re I really, really like star Wars, but I'm not like, um, obsessed with it. So I'll, I'll start off by setting, setting the foundation there. But I, this was one of the games when me and Adam talked about our favorite, uh, most anticipated upcoming games for the rest of the year that both made both of our lists. I, was really excited for it. when we saw that first gameplay trailer i it looked like a good step in the direction star wars fans were wanting a campaign experience um you know with from what we got with battlefront and battlefront 2 obviously with all of the issues with microtransactions and again a store that story was there but there were so many other things going on there with with the, when that game launched that it didn't quite meet expectations again and so i think this they really hit a home run with this one um respawned was definitely when i heard that respawn was handling the next star wars game i was ecstatic right when it was announced it was a little bit of a weird announcement we had andrew renee the ea play press event sitting down <laughs> and just being like with vince there and He's like, yeah, so it's a Jedi game, and it's going to be b between episode three and four. It's like, okay. And then we didn't really know what was going on. Then we saw it, and it was like, wow, this looks like it could be something. And having played what I've played so far, I'm probably four or five hours in. I think it's it's making a big impact in the Star Wars universe as a whole. It's, um, you know, to the, the much as the movies and TV shows are, um, I think this is making a really big impact for fans from what i hear a lot of people like it going into the game itself uh one thing i wanted to quickly bring up is some of the technical issues i've had with it i it has impacted my gameplay a little bit which is unfortunate i've played this on a ps4 slim so not a ps4 uh, day one console or anything but i'm not playing on a pro or a xbox one x or a high-end gaming pc so i could probably have a better piece of hardware to run this game but Right off the bat, it, there are noticeable bugs and issues with it. Um, you know, things like texture pops. Uh, whenever a scene transitions in a, a cutscene, when it's the camera pans from one character to another character talking, it will like that person will like pop in place, and then 
he'll go to the next person talking and then they'll go back to that person and they pop in place again. It's like, well, where they're not going anywhere. Why do they keep popping in and out? And it's just like for, you know, a frame, like it's nothing major, but it's just like, it kind of takes you out of it, right? When you're in this awesome world and these really cool environments with different creatures and enemies that you're tackling. And then you get to a cutscene where you're talking about the story and it just, it kind of gives me, it's irritating, I guess. It's nothing that's impacting how I feel about the game, but um, it's disrupting my playthrough, I guess. And, you know, I have had a couple things where I've clipped into environments and gotten stuck. I've had it where um, and I haven't been able to reach certain enemies because they've kind of got stuck behind walls and stuff. Uh, I haven't fallen through the map or anything like that. A lot of the th issues kind of correct themselves. Um, but yeah, a little technical bugs that I guess are impacting me having glowing reviews of it. But again, there was a patch release just today. I noticed even playing before the show that there was some, it was smoother than when I was playing two, three days ago. So that's okay. I'm, I'm, it's getting to a point now where it's not really as noticeable, but I did want to mention that because it was frustrating, but yeah, I mean, it feels great to be a Jedi and uh, the game is really hard, which I'm sure you guys will talk about. I'm not great at video games when it comes to reflexes and <laughs> reacting to things. Any game where you got to parry something, I'm terrible at them. So that's why I've never played like Dark Souls or Bloodborne. And this, you know, Adam, you made this comparison um, from the get-go and I've heard other people talking about it. It is kind of like a Souls-like game uh, in its formula and when you're talking about the combat and that kind of stuff. And... Uh, I was playing on like the normal setting and then I just kind of, again, just on the normal setting, because there's four settings. There's, um, what are they? So there's Jedi Knight is like normal, I guess. Then Jedi Master. And then there's a really, Grand really Master. hard. Grandmaster. Grandmaster, right. And then I don't know what the first level is. I think is. it's just called like story or something. Yes. Like. Something like that. So I was getting my ass kicked with a couple things. And again, the game kind of you kind of know from the beginning you get these upgrades of um for combat and you can upgrade your health and you know at the end of the game you're much more powerful than at the beginning but i got to a point where i was like you know what i'm always forcing myself to play on the harder difficult why don't i just play it so i kicked it into story mode and it was kind of again some people don't like force unleash for this of like going in and be able to just hit stormtroopers and blast them away and having no difficulty in that sense but it felt pretty cool just to go in and just shred stormtroopers cut animals in half with my lightsaber and and do that so i don't know if i'm going to continue that um i might just do that so i can get that story and i don't have to worry about because man there's been times where i it's that's another criticism i have is you know you get to these meditation points where it saves your game when you heal yourself at them all the enemies spawn which is fine but what i hate is sometimes the the placement of these suck right where you get across to a big boss and you just get destroyed and then you get set back to that point uh you get stuck in a, a long re waiting to respawn load the game's loading they're supposed to correct that but and then you have to kind of work your way back to that boss again and like if i die a second time again it's like well I'm not having any fun. You know what I mean? And again, some people like that challenge and, and all the issues of me dying and stuff. It's on me. Like I'm just bad at reflexes and stuff. So I, I just, yeah, I'm going to maybe change up the, the game to a lower difficulty. So can I just, I can just have a different experience for it just so I can have a star Wars story and see it for that. But 
yeah, I like what I'm playing. I'm, I will probably talk about it more uh, on a future episode. Um, because again, I'm still pretty early on. I wasn't even sure if I would be able to to get to play it enough to be able to talk about it. But, um, Garrett, why don't we we move over to you? Uh, how has your experience been with it so far? Yeah. So, um, as far as um, the technical issues, I'm playing on Xbox One X. Um, I've seen a little bit of frame rate issues here and there. Some of the texture pop in stuff. But I haven't really, like you said, I haven't had anything where I got stuck anywhere or fell through the world or anything like that. And I did, I did notice what you were talking about with the um, during the cutscenes when the the characters will uh, disappear whenever they yeah. are off screen or whatever. Um, but I haven't noticed that today, so I think that patch may have fixed that. I think so that. too. Yeah. Um, so, and I've, I've watched several cutscenes today, so. Okay. Um, I think that may be fixed. Um, as far as the game goes, I'm, I'm with you, Luke. I'm not the, the kind of guy that uh, is super good at video games. That's why I've never really... I mean, I tried Dark Souls because I think I got it free with Games with Gold or something. And I just... I played it for like an hour and I was like, I can't do this. It's just not for me. <laughs> um, so when I started this game, I was like, you know what? I'm going to put it just on whatever the medium difficulty is. And then if I have to, I'll drop it down. Well, me being me... Uh, I didn't realize that story was actually a a setting. I thought that was I thought I was just in the story tab or something. I don't know of the menu. <laughs> yeah. So I picked Jedi Master, which is hard. <laughs> um, and, but I've stuck with it, and I've had a really good time nice. with it. I really surprised myself. Good for you. Um, I've only dropped the difficulty down one time. That was today. Um, I put a tweet out about that. Uh, because this stupid boss, man, I could not handle it. I was like, I just want to get to the end of the game. I know I'm within a couple hours. Like, let's just do it. So I dropped, I probably fought this dude 15 times before I dropped it down. And then I was like, <laughs> I beat him the first time as soon as I dropped it. So I put it back up to master after that though. I was like, you know, I, I've gone this far. I want to just at least see it out if I can. Um, and yeah, the parrying, I can't do it. I can't ever do it. So I'm, I'm rolling around. I'm running behind guys. I'm doing everything I can to just not have to fight up close and personal. I run in, get a slash, roll back out of the way. Um, but um, when you do get one of those parries down, man, that feels so good mm -hmm. because it's just like, you're done. Sorry, guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I am, uh, as far as star Wars, that is probably the franchise that I know the most about the lore and I know the most about the characters in the world and that kind of stuff. So for me, the story was always going to be a big deal and so far it's delivered. And if they're going where I think they're going towards the end of this game, then I'm, I'm going to be pleased, I think. So for me, like I said earlier, um, it's a real, real, real shame that it's not on Game of the uh, Game of the Year for for the Game Awards because it absolutely would have my vote at this point. Um, technical issues aside, the game is just fun. Uh, the characters are, are awesome. BD, the character who's a droid and literally cannot speak, is probably the most interesting and coolest character in the game at this point for me. Um, and I just think Respawn knocked it out of the park with this one. Totally, yeah. I forgot to mention the the droid is definitely one of my favorite parts. The yeah. it's he he's he or she, I guess, is like the droid is one one of the best droids that we've seen in the Star Wars universe. It has so much personality. Um, I love how much you get how much it plays a role in the game and stuff. I've been <laughs> mistakenly I keep calling it uh, BB one because yeah. I've been playing too much <laughs> Death Stranding. I did the same. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, 
Adam, how about you? I know you've really liked this game so far. Yeah, I, I loved it, in fact, um, I, which is interesting because I was a little taken aback that first night. I got it um, Thursday night. I went to the night launch uh, at my local GameStop and picked it up and, and put it in, and it, it turned out to be some like a totally different gameplay experience than I thought it was going to be, uh, you know, with the kind of Souls-like or, or Sekiro-like style to it. And and for me, as someone that's actually liked the Souls series, and, and I loved Bloodborne, it's one of my favorite games ever, um, you know, I'm like playing this game and I'm like, I, I don't know that I want another Souls game right now. And that's kind of how this one was, was kind of coming off to me. So I was a little displeased at first. Uh, I played on uh, Jedi Knight the entire game, although I think I probably could have done okay on, on Master Mode. Um, it probably would have been all right. But a as I got into the game a little bit further, you get off of that kind of first, I guess, tutorial planet and got to the next one and got more acclimated with the combat and, and systems and everything. And I actually, from then on, I just, I loved it. And I was telling Steven before the, the podcast today that it's it's one of the best metroid games i think i've played definitely <laughs> uh, you could take you could take cal kestis out of there and put samus down and it would feel just like a like a metroid game metroid prime and um it was just it was really great i, I loved it it had good platforming uh felt like a real solid star wars story um you know the the progression of acquiring new abilities as you go through the game was really good and kind of opens things up for you you can revisit areas and and find new new secrets and things to explore uh, it was just was just really good i didn't have as many technical issues as as you did luke i, I did see a couple texture pops here and there um i did have a very comical sort of bug where i was in in dialogue with another character and half of their head was cut off Oh, and their mouth didn't move when they spoke. Oh, wow, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> so it was like the first thing I thought of was uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. Yeah, yeah. And oh gosh, <laughs> nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh gosh, and so it, it kind of, it was kind of annoying because it was an interesting cutscene, um, but it, and it was it was kind of more comical than anything. Mm. There was just today as I was kind of doing some final exploration where I jumped from one platform to another and I fell through the floor. And so whenever you when you fall down a pit, it just kind of respawns you at like your last yeah. safe location. Well, it didn't do that for me. Mm. And I kept falling through the floor and I'm like, oh, great. This is, this is how I'm going to die. And um it, I, I probably had one or two more falls in me before it would have counted as a death, which sucks. You don't ever want to die in this game because the, the respawn time is just so god-awful long. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I just I don't care if I lose the experience. I just don't want to have to go through the, the reload. Um, but it did, end up, it did end up kind of course correcting. It put me in a safe spot. I didn't fall through the floor. Um, so it all worked out. And um, kind of going back to the Souls thing where I was kind of kind of frustrated with that, it's actually not as bad as what it seemed at first um, because as you get the experience, you have a bar that fills up and then you, you acquire a skill point. And once you have those skill points, if you die, you don't lose the skill points. So you always keep those. So penalty for death isn't as, as punishing as you get from your, your typical Souls games. 
And then, of course, being able to change the difficulty. So if Souls games are really too hard for you, you can always bump the, the difficulty down. And, you know, it's, it's you know, you can get it to a difficulty that works for you, which is nice. Um, trying to think what else what else I wanted to talk about with this. But. How, how do you guys uh, feel about the traverse, traversal with uh, the climbing and the rope swinging, the sliding? Do you have... Do you like guys like that? Uh, have you had any issues with them? So I think that's um, another thing that just like the combat, as that that gets easier as it goes on, uh, the climbing definitely gets easier. Um, the the rope thing definitely gets easier once you get like the force pull and you can just pull the rope to you. You don't have oh, to okay. jump for it anymore. Um, so I think yeah, my frustrations with that kind of stuff was definitely more um, early in the game. Gotcha. So once you get a little bit further in, they kind of uh, they give you some options to, to correct those things. Yeah, once you get some of the movement tech, it actually isn't too terrible. Um, I, I will say the, the rope swing is probably one of my least favorite things in the game, even after getting some of the abilities, just because it really slows things down. Like if you have to kind of kind of stop yourself and then gain the momentum back up to swing to the next, the next rope, like that just, yeah. I don't know, it slows things down. And I, I'm not super thrilled with that. Uh, and I did remember one of the things I wanted to talk about is the game gives you a lot of really cool abilities to use in in your fights, but the thing I don't like is is the usage of the force. So you have your force meter, uh, which I guess could be considered like a mana bar, and it doesn't really replenish on its own, um, except for like a small amount. So once you're in a fight and you use it up, that's kind of it. Um, you do get a little bit of regeneration enough to basically use one of your powers and then it's empty again and you got to wait for it to refill and, and which is fine if, you know, maybe at the end of that encounter, once you were, once you were considered safe, if, you know, it would refill back to the top so that when you go into the next encounter, you can maybe have another full meter again, because you have a great array of abilities and you run out of it so quick that your force bar just depletes so fast when you use your abilities that I feel like you have all these great tools and great abilities but you don't always get to use them because you run out so quickly and you don't get it back as fast as you would like um, so that was kind of a kind of a downer for yeah me. it's too it's too bad that they like they didn't do something and again maybe this would have made it too easy in a sense but uh, having some sort of system like an RPG where you have your health and then you have your mana um, maybe having something like you know, you're getting your stim packs or whatever for health. Um, well, I, I, they're not called stim packs in this game, but uh, are, are, what are they called? Actually, the, I think they are. Are, stims, are they yeah. called? Because yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, uh, um, what are they called in Fallout? Are they called stim packs? Yeah. Yeah. I okay. So. Maybe that is stim pack an actual thing. <laughs> I thought I maybe. Say, uh, okay. I I, it's I, one I, of those like <laughs> common sci-fi. So, gotcha. Just, okay. Something real quick, it, it, not try and spoil things too much, but there's a perk that you can get that does sort of help out with that. Oh, okay. Because, um, yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe there, it had drop of, like, you can get health, but then you can also get things that, you know, increase the yeah. level of your, your force power or whatever. I just would have found it a lot more helpful if maybe between battles, if it would refill on its own. Yeah, like, yeah. I think that would have gone, that would have like been a after really you, big help. Yeah, did something to fill it back up you get that kind of like almost it's like xp right your xp bar goes up yeah 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 i agree with the 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 issues with the force bar i feel like they should 
either give you a little bit more to work with or make it make it regenerate faster one or the other mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. i mean if you think about it it's definitely a gameplay issue not a not a story issue because right. if yeah. you think about star wars no one ever is like True. oh i just can't use the force right now right. you know what i mean yeah. like it it's kind of a one of those things where they had to sacrifice it for the gameplay right. and i understand it but mm-hmm. i think they could have they could have done, like I said, one or the other, give you a bigger force bar or, or make it so that it regenerates faster. Now, I, I know it does when you hit some, like when you land a hit, it gives you a little bit back. But it's such they, a they minuscule amount. Yeah, though. it's not enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I perked up actually whenever Adam mentioned this force bar situation because it is noticeable in the movies that whenever one of the force users does some sort of big power move, it does sap some strength out of them. If you remember when Qui-Gon was fighting with Darth Maul, he came back on the ship and he was he was worn out. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. Yoda was worn out after after tackling or uh, going at it with uh, um, Emperor mm-hmm. Palpatine in the Senate. Uh, he was weakened after that sort of thing. I, I almost see this as a purposeful uh, thing that they did to make it a little bit more strategic on which abilities you're going to use at what time. I'm really interested to explore this myself a little bit more. I think you guys have really kind of hit on the hit on the point that I'm I'm ready to tackle mm-hmm. a little bit more yeah. in, in my gameplay. I think the, uh, the the big thing is though that as you use it and you run out of force, like all except for swinging the lightsaber, literally everything you do uses force. Mm-hmm. And, and even some of the lightsaber swings use force. Exactly, yeah. that's correct. And and you run out of it so fast that it's just you're you're down to very basic lightsaber swinging in in no time before the encounter is even close to being over so i mean i I get that that there's going to be fatigue on on your your character or the force user but you know between encounters you know that should give them a little bit of rest to to where maybe they can start using uh again in the next encounter interesting i'm ready i'm i'm ready to tackle this because I, being a Force Unleashed player, and you kind of have that unlimited pull to obliterate everything around you with the Force. It's a lot of fun, but it didn't feel, it didn't feel canon to me. Right. And I and I'm 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 I feel I'm I'm hitting on you guys are hitting on some points that feel really as a natural like if you're going to be a natural Force user, it, I think that they're kind of especially being a, almost in that Padawan sense where you're not a master, um, and you don't have more to pull from. And I kind of get that feeling from from the character in this. I, uh, like I said, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to get into it myself. You guys nice, have me yeah. convinced to get this this weekend. <laughs> um, Garrett, I did want to ask you because you catch yourself along the lore master and kind of without getting into any spoilers, um, and you, you may have hinted to it a little bit. Do you find that the story is fitting into the universe? And um, you kind of were saying that if you think. It, you know, thinking about where it's heading to, are you getting excited about how it's fitting into the universe and where yeah. it's going to be, where it's going to end up? Yeah, I am. I am. So, um, really, the main piece of lore that this connects with, in my opinion, is Volume Two of the Vader comic series. Um, it deals a lot with how Vader is introduced to the Inquisitors. They were a, a secret group um, that that Palpatine was was preparing outside of Vader's knowledge, and so uh, I believe it's about. 25 issues or something like that but i mean comics you can read real quick um and so the, a lot of the setup for this series was done uh through that comic i think and and it, there's been a lot of callbacks to things from the comic um kind of the main thing you're searching for throughout this uh 
journey is something that they reference in the comic as well. So um, if, if there are people out there that aren't huge into the lore, I would suggest pick up the, the trade paperbacks of the, the volume two of the latest Vader series. And that's, that's probably your best bet to, to kind of catch up on, on what's going on in this era. Gotcha. That's not the only time I've heard of that Vader series, and it is it is canon. That is lore to the to the entire uh, universe. So yes, uh, you may have me convinced to even get into that now. Yeah, go for <laughs> it, man. It's good. Thank you guys for the riveting riveting content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's really awesome to hear. I I love. I, so many people I think think, even though it's established that there's all these other mediums that, like comics and some of the TV shows that some people. We always just think of Star Wars as the the main movies, right? But there's so much more, and so the fact that they've put the attention into other things is is awesome because it rewards those those fans. Um, and Star Wars is definitely one of those franchises that I think needs needs to do that. So, yeah, I'm I think it's 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 pretty much surprised me um, when it was launched. I was like, oh, cool. This looks like Star Wars mixed with Uncharted. And now it's like, wow, there's so many layers to this video game. Um, it it has that story there, which is so important to Star Wars. And it mixing it with some really awesome gameplay, um, challenging, you know, fights and everything like that is... It, it's, it, they, I think they've done, besides a little some technical things here, um, they, they've really created a triple a top tier star wars video game which we haven't had in such a long time so this is this is great um i think people are going to continue to talk about it i think it's i mean obviously they they pushed it out probably as soon as they could with with everything with the next episode coming out and mandalorian going on like it's it's smart because we're all hyped for star wars right now um so it's it's awesome i can't wait to to be able to finish it up um it's roughly, I think you guys have said it's like 20 hours-ish for the most I part. maybe put a little bit more into it just with um, kind of revisiting areas and, and trying yeah. to um, yeah, do ex- extra exploration yeah, yeah, yeah. and find yeah. the pickups. Yeah, I did a lot of exploration early on, but then as we were coming up to today, I was like, I need to kind of just mainline it and then go back and do this exploration later because yeah. I wanted to have a better knowledge of, of more of the game to right. talk about. But yeah. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm really enjoying it. And I think, uh, I'd probably say I'm probably at about 20 hours at this point. And like I said, I'm, I'm very close to the end. Gotcha. And so not to, I, I think I want both everyone here back, uh, to talk game of the year when we have those discussions, but Adam Garrett, like, are you thinking like, this, this is your game of the year so far? Is it, is it in competition with anything else or so I for mean, me, yeah. yeah, go ahead, Adam. Oh no, you can go. Okay, so, yeah, like I said earlier, um, when we were talking about Game of the Year, I have not put much into Death Stranding yet. Right. I, I, um, that's a game I literally bought my PS4 to play Death Stranding. Sure, I'm, yeah. an, I'm pretty much an Xbox guy, but, you know, I, the exclusives weren't there this, this gen, so I bought the PS4 really for Spider-Man and for, for Death Stranding. Mm-hmm. And um, while I've, I've enjoyed what I've played so far, um, as soon as I got my hands on, on Star Wars, I couldn't, I couldn't put it down. Nice, so, that's awesome. As far as me at this point, if I had to cast a vote right now, it would be Jedi. Um, but I, I do want to finish um, Death, Stranding. Death Stranding before I make that right. call. Fair enough. How about you, Adam? I, I'm really, really torn because I love Star Wars. I, I love Death Stranding. Um, those are maybe the, the two biggest ones right now. But 
Uh, then I also, you know, have to consider Indivisible because I right. I really enjoyed that game. I, I love that game uh, a lot. And uh, even Pokemon, um, yeah, I know that's it's you know for me and Garrett discussing it like it's it's not perfect, but um, I'm having a blast with that. Like I'm finding it so so much fun to play that, um, you know that that's definitely in consideration too. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely going to be a tough choice. Tougher than I thought it was yeah, going to be. It's, it's interesting. Like like I said, I, RE2 at the beginning of the year was, was mine. And I was like, well, come fall, we'll see what happens. And I wasn't sure if Star Wars was going to, to make that. Because um, I thought it was like, oh, we're going to get a great Star Wars game. But I didn't think it would make waves this big um, throughout the industry and, and through gamers. So I'm really glad to see that. Now, if I'm being 100% honest with you, it is... The first game out of the last couple I played, going from Outer Worlds to Death Stranding to this, maybe it's because I've gotten back into routine um, and I haven't had as much free time, but I haven't like been as driven to continue on. And it, who knows, maybe I'll hit a certain story beat and I'll just get sucked back, sucked right into it. But like comparing it to Outer Worlds or Death Stranding, it's like hasn't quite want pulled me into like keep playing it. Like I can't think of doing anything else except for playing that game so it's really great to hear that you guys have had that um and a lot of other people as well um yeah that that's awesome i can't can't wait to to see um how it does on obviously it's not going to win game of the year at the game awards but i think it's going to be one of those things at some of the major media outlets and uh going into next year with the dice awards and and stuff that it's it's going to it's 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 going to be a home run when in terms of uh getting getting awards in that so yeah especially with how split people's opinions on death stranding right. are i think yeah. it's right. it's going to be pretty unanimous that that people like this game at least so um i think it's going to have a lot of traction totally in yeah. conversations like that yeah de- Would you de- say it comes down to preference between two-day delivery or regular <laughs> three to five days. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, there, there's no doubt. It's just like Red Dead. Like, Red Dead Redemption 2 was my game of the year last year, um, partially because I hadn't beat God of War yet, um, which is shocking, I'm sure, to some people. But uh, that game wasn't for everyone. The same with Death Stranding. I really like it. Like, Adam, you said you really like it. But then, yeah, there's some people that don't... That's not video games to them, and I can totally understand that, whereas Star Wars, it seems like... Criticism is on very small, minor things, and everywhere else they've just like we've been repeating. They've they've hit a home run here. They've knocked it out of the park. So, yeah, really happy to see it. Like respawn's been killing. They had a great year with Apex and um, Jedi Fallen Order, especially like Titanfall Two, awesome game. One of my favorite uh, first person shooters this generation. Great story. Loved that game, and uh, it was well received, but didn't really you know because of where they launched and everything had that trouble so it's really great to see respawn um you know being noticed for all this work that they've done this year so absolutely all right let's wrap up the show it's a long lengthy episode but full of awesome content i think this has been probably one of the best episodes we've ever had of the podcast so um yeah thank you guys all for for touching on all these big topics so let's yeah, go course. into question of the week. So last week's question was, what are your thoughts about the whole pledging allegiance to a specific console? So uh, another way, I guess, putting it is like, what do you think a fanboy 
console fanboys, right? People that are all about PS4, all PC, Master Race, or whatever. Uh, so we got a couple different responses this week. First, Coleman Dean, always pulling through, responding pretty much every week. Uh, he said on Facebook, Since most people aren't in the position to own both an Xbox and a PlayStation, choosing between the two seems to me seems to me to be down to three factors. Which controller do you prefer? Are there any console exclusives you're really fond of? And what console do your friends play on? That being said, with console generations being about five years, by the next time the next console comes out, you will likely will be very used to playing with a particular controller and won't be likely to switch over. I think console dedication is more so just due to the logistics of buying consoles. Yeah, especially when in the older generations of, you know, um, people who had a PS1 are getting the PS2, and especially if they're kids, is because their parents were like, well, what the heck? I bought you all these freaking games. I want you to be able to play that. So you kind of get yourself established as a kid, I think, into a specific type of carnals. And then when you are you have the funds available, you can kind of explore trying different things. But I think that's where a lot of people come from is, you know, being devoted to one console because it was what they grew up with and that was the only option to them. So mm-hmm. good response, Coleman. Uh, Thomas Hutlett over on Facebook says, I've always thought it it's mostly silly. I prefer some compared to others. I like my PS4 a little more than my Xbox. Generally for frame rate seems to be smoother for me. Also what I read online for most people. But then I play the Switch with some console exclusives and love it just as much. If it's a well-made game that either console can handle, well, who cares? Although this is excluding each different subscription service that each console provides, which could be an exception to why I could see others preferring one over the other. Definitely. I mean, you look at uh, what you're getting with PlayStation and PSN um, and their service and ecosystem as opposed to Xbox. I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, we hear people that are trophy hunters and they really care about getting trophies and that is something different than just getting achievements on Xbox. But um, you also, if you're looking at the service as a whole, Xbox to some degree kind of has a lot going on for them right now with Game Pass just knocking out of the park getting these big huge games on Game Pass a a service that's super affordable and stuff so yeah I think those have uh, a much bigger role today with the service being just as important as the hardware themselves I would say almost more important to some degree because from a technical perspective there's not a lot different between the two mainstream you know Sony versus Microsoft right and then lastly, BJ Bernardo on Twitter. I gotta give a shout out to BJ Bernardo because he just kills it with responding to questions. He is someone who I met at the Kind of Funny Meet and Greet uh, in Vancouver, and I constantly hear his questions being answered or yeah, answered by Greg on and not just on Greg, like all the Kind of Funny shows. Like I don't know about you, Adam Garrett, Steve. I don't yeah. know if you watch Kind of Funny, but. BJ Bernard, you've probably heard his name Definitely. said by yeah, Greg. For so sure. for um, sure, <laughs> it's kind of cool. He he's he's awesome guy. Uh, it was one of the, it was a really cool moment of just like he came in by himself. It was me and Megan, and we invited him over to the table and uh, had a great chat. I actually talked to him more than I got to talk to some of the kind of funny guys. So uh, anyway, shout out to you, BJ, for for responding. Um, so. I find that since I don't own a PlayStation or Switch or use my laptop for gaming, I find I only really focus on Xbox games and news. I think that is the way console allegiance exists now. I do think the days of fanboy, my console is better than yours, is gone, but might be coming back. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I Not to, that I'm prejudiced or anything, but I think a lot of that comes to PC versus console. You know, it never seems to be a competition of like 
although they're direct competitors, it's like if you have a PS4, I have an Xbox, it's whatever. It's those it seems to be the PC people. And again, not trying to hate on PC players, but it it's funny how that seems to be more of a dialogue when it comes to like being a, a fanboy of a console. So definitely. Really great responses, you guys, this week. Um, of course, uh, thank you to all of you guys who continue to respond each and every week. Uh, we love having that listener interaction, um, being able to, to talk to you guys and, and hearing your thoughts on each topic of the show. Uh, we have a new question to issue. So, do you watch the Game Awards every year? And if so, are you more interested in the game announcements or the awards themselves? So course one of the things game awards have established is we get all these announcements uh we get the nominees we get the awards and then yeah we get to see brand new trailers and game announcements and everything it's almost like a dual kind of event in that way so what do you guys prefer and maybe you don't watch the game awards if you don't and don't really care why i'd like to know as someone who is interested in them every year why do you not care about them so you can respond on Facebook and Twitter, the questions are posted on there. Links for those uh, social media sites are down in the show notes, so you can look for them there. Also, you can email me at the email address gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, your answers will be read on uh, next week's episode. Um, probably not. We'll probably skip the question of the week during the Death Stranding, so you actually will probably have a couple weeks to respond to this week's question. So, all right, that has been. This episode of Games Are Luke, Fun. Yeah. Do do you want us to answer last week's question? Um I think I'll make Garrett and Steven continue to write in so that I have people writing <laughs> in for, for next week. And uh no, I'm I'm just joking. Well uh I'm just looking at the time here. If you guys yeah, if we want to just keep it quick, um why don't we start off with you, Steven, what is your whole thoughts around console allegiance no allegiance whatsoever yeah um and and i am a pc player and i do not feel as if i am of some superior breed (laughs) with that uh you know every console has its perks and um i i have played xbox and genesis and nintendo and playstation pc uh you know kind of had ran the gambit of handhelds um you know uh, Gaming's gaming. Give totally. me a great game. I got your system. Yeah, exactly. Garrett, how about yeah, you? Yeah, same same here. Um, to me, it's just a silly distinction. I mean, the, the, the piece of tech that you're playing on is just that. It's a piece of tech. If it runs the game and it plays the game, then that's all that matters to me. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I do typically prefer Xbox, but like I also said, I bought a PlayStation just to play PlayStation games. So, um, again, it's really all about the games for me. Absolutely. Adam. Um, yeah, kind of the same, like I'll play on, on anything that has, has a good selection of games. Um, I've always been a Nintendo kid. So, I mean, if, if I could have only one system, I'd probably pick a Nintendo console. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, you have PlayStation 2. I, I love I love my PlayStation, and obviously they have great exclusives to play on. Um, and and you know Xbox has maybe not the most exclusives, but they do have a great service in Game Pass. So I mean, there's something special that each console offers. Um, you know, so I, I just kind of go where the games are, and um, 
yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't say that I'm I'm a fanboy or pledge allegiance to, to mm-hmm. any one of them. But, um, you know, gaming as a whole is just cool. So why why only be stuck on one thing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think where that sometimes can come in into play, which we've already kind of touched on some of the reasons and some of you guys who wrote in did is like a lot of it. Like I can see for for someone who is an Xbox owner, um, the first couple of years into the generation with them just not not really do having a great launch lineup and then not getting the exclusives, it yeah it does suck to kind of be locked on one console and seeing you know PlayStation Four kill it and then the Switch come in and have Breath of the Wild and uh, Super Mario Odyssey and you're you're seeing those things again, you know that. Some of them comes down to just them being salty because they didn't get that on on their console that they own. But I mean, it does suck, right? Like I I was really upset when it, Xbox was down there. I was like, man, I was even contemplating like I was I had a 360. Maybe I should go to the PS4, and I decided to pick up that Xbox One. And I was I was disappointed. I did not own a lot of games for the first couple of years of owning that console, and it just did it did suck but yeah i mean games are games like we're now getting to the point with them also being so integrated with each other we're seeing microsoft and nintendo having big partnerships of appearing in same commercials which is crazy you know rumors of circulating of game pass one day coming to nintendo switch or something like that and it's crazy because it's just back in the day like console wars were a thing between you know sega and nintendo primarily and and then evolving into um you know playstation versus xbox and stuff as we went but games are games um i just as you guys know that's why we do this podcast is just to come on celebrate them talk about them because there's so many good things in the video game medium um, to talk about so yeah uh all right gentlemen um thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode it's been great to have a couple additional voices on the show steven garrett um steven where can people keep up with you Yes, yeah, so I'm on uh, Twitter and Instagram, and that's at LordlyKingSDOT. Are you sure it's not uh, at LordlyKingsDOT? <laughs> at LordlyKingsDOT. Yeah. <laughs> another one is Lordy, LordyKingsDOT is yeah. another popular one. But yeah, LordlyKingSDOT <laughs> uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Garrett, how about yourself? Yeah, so I'm LP Panther on everything, uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Twitter, um, all that. Um, but if you want to find me on Xbox, there's a space between the two P's. Just got to remember that. Right. Adam? Uh, I'm on Twitter at AdamPalooza85. And I am on Twitter at LukeAllenArm. And of course, follow the show on Facebook, search for Games Are Fun. Twitter at Games Are Fun Pod and Instagram at Games Are Fun Pod. If you're interested in taking a look at my physical video game collection, I haven't really posted too much lately, but you can kind of look back at all the games I've owned. A lot of 360 games on there. All right, uh, this has been another episode of Games Are Fun. Next week we have that Death Stranding review episode. Really excited to talk about that, and um, oh, by then we'll have a kind of a plan on. At some point we're gonna have our, our games a game of the year discussion and like i said steven garrett will you're more than welcome to to join in that hopefully we can get you guys both back to the show definitely Um, yeah it's been great uh so we will talk to you guys all next week see you later